Welcome to episode 25 of It's Server Time. We're a quarter of the way to 100, guys. It's been a long journey, but we are adding yet another special guest to get us there. To 100, that is. Dinko is going to be our guest for the day. This guy has been in a duo with Hawka for quite some time. Dinko, you've been, you've been kind of like doing other stuff other than Counter-Strike, but we know where your one true love is, surely. Yeah, I mean, Counter-Strike is always going to be the, the the love of everyone, I think, in esports who who started there, right? It's just it's just something different about CS. It feels like a just a real sport. It's, I don't know. There's just something magical about Counter-Strike, and it's getting very exciting coming into this year, which is really, really crazy. I think it's it went stale a little bit, but this year is going to be very, very exciting. Cool, cool. Uh, as always, be uh, for our normal normal crew, we have myself, Maui Snake, we've got Joshua Mix Mix, and then we've got Dinesh Note Note, and we've got Pranogo. <laughs> just just Pranogo, yeah. <laughs> just Pranogo. You know it's a full legal name. I think it's Darian, right? Yeah, so. yeah. yeah. Like, it's, you know, yeah, it's really got, funny. Is I, don't, I don't know. I don't know actually any of your. How long have you been working what? together, man? <laughs> you just I'm just saying. We, I'm just saying. I don't know anybody's last name. His name is actually Pro Pro Nogo Nogo. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> okay. Sick. Sick. My alias. Is, my middle name is N. So Pro N Ogo. There you go. We're getting. I'm actually like trying to think what any of your last names are. I'm like. I'm really sorry, guys. Okay, <laughs> maybe you guys might, might just want to say your last names. Say your full names. I'm not. Wait. Well, what? I can't cheat. This is gonna be shocking. But my last name is Max. Okay, if you don't want to dox yourself, it's on it. You're I mean, mine's literally on my Twitter. What do you mean? <laughs> yeah, you can't exactly. dox, dude. No doxing. Uh, I'm, I'm just surprised you guys didn't get the jean jacket memo. Yeah, yeah exactly. I'm just, sorry about that one. You know, I thought it was like a boy band thing, but also, you know, I'm not the only ones. Pr- Pr- Pranogo, are, you, shirts, are so. you using his green screen and are you like putting something there? You, you should be, right? Like, Oh, should I? Yeah, okay. I can I can fiddle with that actually. That's a good <laughs> yeah, idea. No, why not, right? Hold on. Right, uh, right, uh, he's got the I can do It that was right at that now. moment that Denko realized he messed up. <laughs> yeah, he'll be he'll be tearing this down in a moment. Mm-hmm. Put the why not put the uh oh shoot, I didn't even put it in the topic list. Why not put the fun spark um oh, like just logo? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can, I have that somewhere. I don't think it's Funspark. I have Relog. Surely, surely. Sure, put put just put Relog Media behind him or something. Your favorite. Your favorite. Yeah. Um, okay, okay, let's get into some stuff. Let's get into some things. Okay, the first thing we want to talk about is we want to we want to talk a little trash. And by we, I mean me. And by we, I mean I'm forcing everybody to do this. Okay, <laughs> so we're going to talk about the HLTV Top 20 and our gripes with the list. So I'm going to go to somebody else first. I got mine. I got mine. Don't worry. But we're going to go to the guests. We're going to go to Dinko. Dinko, what's something you don't like about how this list ended up? Nico being in third, kind of would have liked to be second place. That's why I invited this guy on the show. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, Nico was just, you know, he's such a different beast. You know, he's a unique property in CSGO where it's, he's one of these prodigy players, but doesn't op, right? It's just something that's so different about him. And, you know, when we look at the, the list and you look at the players up here, you got to really take into consideration what LAN is. And I think the conversation we had this year was the fact that, well, we kind of even removing studio LAN from that equation and starting to only consider big LANs as the ones that have crowds because it really is what makes a difference. And uh, we look at the major, obviously, it was the first one back. So you have so much pressure on the major. You have all the fans first time back in the arena. Most of the players, a lot of the younger players, never even seen fans in the arena. So there's so much pressure on that. And, you know, Nico carries a team of a, a pretty average team. I mean, G2 shouldn't be a team competing for the top two spots at majors all the time. You just look at the roster across the board. The fact he's doing that, 
as a rifler is just incredible. And I actually want to shout out Hawker as well. He did that video where he talked about the best major MVPs of all time. And he did the numbers, crunched the numbers, and Nico was on power to, you know, possibly be the, the greatest MVP at a major of all time with a rifle. So to me, that's just incredible. And and I think you've got to weigh what really is true competition, a little heavier than some of the other events. You know, Vitality had a little run towards the end of the year, but for me, you know, Nico doing it with the rifle, carrying G2 to relevancy, uh, and just that impact a player that's able to deliver, you know, I think Nico was, surely should have had the second spot there. He was, he was the closest to Simple all year, even though we always force the same narrative of Zywoo versus Simple all the time when it's super boring watching Vitality versus Navi most of the time. Um, so, yeah, I think Nico is probably the number two player, and uh, that that's something I have a little gripe with. Love it. Love it. Uh, really good take overall. Does anybody... Okay, so... Who else? Who else? No, no, no. You are okay. You're you're on the side of HLTV with this one, I would assume. <laughs> oh <my>. So um, <laughs> it's a perfect ranking. There's zero issues. Um, each player got the exact spot that they should have been in, and uh, this is the definitive ranking overall. And uh, yeah, you guys, this is gospel, by the way. So no disagreeing with it. Actually, you're just you're just wrong, Dinko. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Well. You know, <laughs> what can i say you know true you know we only have one media outlet absolutely no uh no bias there and you know i have to say it was take a little look at some of the the articles and uh she's pretty familiar so i feel like there might just slightly be a little bit of bias here he, he, this guy <laughs> um, okay in, in case for some reason though this is going over people's head obviously note is a writer for hltv senior staff writer so like let let that be known. Let that be known. There needs to be a disclaimer here. Senior as well. So he has, if you really have a lot of issues, you know that word senior really really puts him up the the level. You can blame him for this. He gets the senior you, discount at Denny's. You calling me old or what? <laughs> and he comes on the show and just immediately starts <laughs> shitting on me. I guess cool, 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 cool. Uh, <laughs> um, no, Dinko, we've <laughs> never had a repeat guest before on the show, but you're not. Your no, no, notes already making his case that it's not going to be you to be the first one. <laughs> um, Wait, that's go. not true. We've had you Kinder twice. That's a lie. Oh shit, you're right. Nice try. Well, he deserved well, it. He listen, deserved it wasn't it. really. Listen, it was like pre-champion of Flashpoint, you Kinder, and then post-champion of Flashpoint. It true. was like an extended. It's a different person. Yeah. Yeah, in no, many exactly. ways, he was different. So. That's true. Um, for for an actual answer, though, I would say that the the two ones that I would say were a little bit uh, a little bit on the fence for me would be where Jane fell overall, and also Brokey being in the top ten or top twenty. I mean, no, did you know cut? that Jane was going to be top ten when you? Were um, I mean, I Richard? knew by the time we hit by the time we hit like number. 14 or something i think it was it was literally the next day after our episode with richard that it got pushed to number 10 and we were talking about oh richard how are you going to react if he's number 10 and he's like i won't have to worry about that so yeah he he refused to believe it yeah so i i knew he was 10 once i think the 13th article got released because i knew that eight and nine was between yukinder and bit since i was writing bit um but yeah i i was not really a fan of James falling in tenth. I feel like the impact he had overall throughout the year wasn't really warranting that. Um, I feel like somebody like I don't know Hunter and F could have been a little higher, but even then, I and then those are the two players I would say are a little bit on the fence for me. Um, Brokey, I don't know. I feel like Phase just didn't have good enough results for him to end up in twentieth overall. So. Okay. Okay. 
I kind of I kind of feel the Jame angle a little bit. I felt like it w- it's a little high because his numbers are inflated by the fact that he's saving as much as he is, you know, like and low deaths really helps your HLTV rating. Uh, Mick, Mix, who you got? Who's who, what's your what's your gripe? I mean, I didn't have too strong of an opinion on most of it. For me, it was just like my personal opinion that I probably would have put Axel above Shiro. I understand why like Shiro was above. He had better stats, but I just felt Axel was like way more important to Gambit's success, especially early in the year. I've been like a pretty, a pretty big uh, supporter of Axel and how I feel he's like the most important player on Gambit. So that was like the only thing that probably stood out to me if I like had like to had a real gripe with it. I just yeah, can't believe I... that uh, Shiro's not top one. Like, what is the simple guy, dude? Come on, <laughs> online era boys, let's go. Only online Shiro, games matter. That's what one I mean. in the name, number one on the list. There you go. Written by a guy. Written by uh, a Serbian list. There it is again. <laughs> yep, that was the that was the Thorin joke. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Pernogo, what's your what's your uh, what what have you got for the list? I'm actually curious if people think anybody got cheated of being on the list entirely uh, beyond what we've already said so far. Because I feel like, you know, I I don't really okay. Full disclosure, like I'm probably one of the only people. I, I'm the most irrelevant person on this panel, and I also. Th- care the least about the hltv top 20 out of everybody on this panel probably so i guess that kind of syncs up because i'm like not irrelevance meets irrelevance exactly exactly irrelevance begets irrelevance in many respects so i just think like that that's kind of how i approach this i mean i get that uh, i don't take it as gospel right because there's so many times where it's it's kind of hard how you conceptualize it for me I look at HLTV top ones down the years, and that's not always the most important thing about the list, but it's the one that everybody remembers. And I think that Zaiwu getting top one over simple in some of the years that Zaiwu got top one over simple, it was at least one occasion, it was, I think, an obvious cheat if you look at the games and you pass the eye test. And I haven't really been able to find somebody who um, can explain to me why they believe it. Like that you basically have to weigh things differently than I do. And that doesn't mean that the list has no value, but it means to me, I can't jive with the list as much because I'm assuming, and maybe this is a wrong assumption that the, the sort of the things that they are testing for are always the same, right? I'm assuming that that's like somewhat consistent across the years. Like they don't change the qualifications, the, the things that actually may put your placing on the list too much. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't. I, I, I'm not to say I don't care about the list because I think it's a really interesting discussion points. A nice way to celebrate the individual achievements throughout the years. But for me, the fact that like something as as egregious in my opinion as the the simple snub that hurts the credibility of the list as I conceptualize it. So I usually just look away from it. Uh, however, this time around, I was I was still kind of surprised Nico didn't place higher. And I guess that just means that HLTV weighed online competitions higher than I would have. But that's just, again, that's like a difference in opinion. Wait, as in you, you, you think Nico should have placed first or, se- or like second? Yeah, absolutely. That's what I, I put him, Nico. I put Nico as second of the year. Uh, I mean, we, I think Zewu's performance overall throughout the year was better than Nico's in the end, especially yeah, when you he consider the first three to five, three to four months of the year, for sure. So, Well, okay, this is an interesting topic of conversation we might be able to go down, depending on our time. I kind of think that the fact that the major had, like, like okay, overall, the team comp- complexion of the major was really weak, by which I mean many teams that made it to top eight I don't think would have made it to top eight of previous majors. That might sound like a weird sentiment to make, but, like, Consider how competitive some of the past majors have been. This major, the PGL major, did, felt like Vitality making it to top eight was a, a fluke. 
and it felt like heroic making it to top eight was a bit weird. They made it to top four, so that's like even more of a weird Furia. one. Furia making it to top eight was definitely a fluke, oh, yeah, and it would have been right. a fluke if Entropic had made. It. Like I would still think of it like a fluke, even if it wasn't really a fluke. I, so I'm kind of weighing it that way, right? It feels like the top the top eight at the major was weak in very key aspects, and that makes me feel like basically Zaiwu would have not made it to playoffs in the this major if the team had if any of the teams had been a little bit stronger. It's really just like if Apex doesn't one v five once and. That really kind of kills his credibility for me at that particular, the most important LAN of 2021. Um, whereas Nico obviously was God mode and then he continued his God mode form throughout all of LANs, right? So I just weigh LANs way higher. And to me, I would sooner jettison all of online than anything. I know that's not really fair to Gambit, but whatever. So, okay. yeah, I, I feel like there's this there's thing with Zaiwu where like he's so fucking unbelievably good, especially like in uh, 2019 and 2020. So where he comes in and he underperforms like even just like a little bit below expectations, but it's still like insanely fucking good. But like people have this like notion that he's like playing way worse than he actually is because that's just like the level that that people expect from him. So when, obviously okay. when he underperforms even a little bit, it's like I still think overall I can understand because Nico was just popping off in the last part of the year and like at all the important events, but I still don't like want to just discount like the entire rest of the year and just how good Zaiwu is just consistently throughout an entire year through each event. I think last year was just a year of too many caveats, right? You look at how weak the top 10 was for most of the year. It was it was awful. We had so many online events. I think pretty much every team apart from Navi just had a clear weakness in the team. You know, you look at Vitality. They were playing with Kyoji most of the year. Masuto was only really starting to get good at times and then would just disappear at certain points of the competition as well. So I think you look at every team and, and even G2, for example, you know, you're playing with Amanek, who's more of a supportive AWP or not really even a, a role player in that AWP role. Every team really just had one or two holes in the teams. And that's what made last year just really hard to watch at times is just watching the two teams that stuck together for a long time and didn't really have too many clear problems was Navi and Gambit. And for me, those were the two best teams last year for, for the whole year, obviously. So I think it's just so many weaknesses across all of the teams last year that really opens up a lot of question marks and a lot of issues. You know, Zywoo's team, look at it across the board, isn't fantastic. And he still made them incredibly relevant at times. So yeah, I, th I think both of the top players or all of them really just had to make up for a lot of mistakes and a lot of holes inside of their own rosters so yeah. i think for both nico and zywood it's been a very impressive year but i think lan is probably the difference for me that really puts him above zywood for the year yeah I, I i echo that sentiment pretty much like i i'll say this there's a couple things i have a few i have a few things i have a few gripes with it beyond just nico zywood where i would say that the important games nico did perform stronger for me is that I think that one thing I actually kind of ha I was thinking about recently with the list is that the list doesn't really take in doesn't take into account roles. And I think that's like a kind of big flaw with just making a top 20 list. Whereas when I think of other sports, for example, usually lists are like all team NBA, for example, you kind of have to pick people based off of like their their role, like backcourt, frontcourt, or for example, like you like in, in the NFL, it, it wouldn't... You, you wouldn't just pick the top 20 people because on a, on a list because they're all going to be quarterbacks. Like that's just the most relevant <laughs> yeah. position. Like the MVP so, is literally just the best quarterback award. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I, I kind of, so the thing for me is that the role that Nico plays is so much harder and yes, he did op. Yeah, he did op and he didn't do that well on it. So I think that does, that can be counted against him, but I think that his role in general for, for what he does on the T side is so hard compared to even, I think sometimes what simple has to do. Cause Nico is just, 
using rifle work on rounds to try to find openings on T side. Like, and he does it very fucking well. Like that's what's, that's what's so insane to me about Nico compared to Zywoo compared to simple where simple and Zywoo actually get to bait on T side and Nico entries a lot, like on defaults, he'll entry a lot. He doesn't first and run on an execute, but the fact that he's looking for it in the default and finds it as frequently as he does is a skill that I don't think anybody else in the world has flat out. I think, I think he's actually the best in the world at finding rifle entries on defaults. There's nobody better. So I think that's still kind of like plays into your roles. Kind of like, it's yeah. like what you were saying about roles because Nico can, Nico can do that pretty consistently because he's like lurking on like a side of the map. So wherever he is, he pretty much has complete control over like what he wants to do, how he wants to play it, what he thinks like the other team's doing and like how he can like react to that. Whereas like Zwu is like obviously the opera, so he's working within a pack and he has to work within his other two teammates and you know what whatever the, the general goal is for like map control or you know, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um funny I enough think, though, like yeah. Nico's T side rating in the first like eight months of the year almost was not great that was that was part of what actually dragged his overall uh rating down so when when i was actually looking at the stats for the for the year through the spreadsheet that we have he had even at the in the first six seven months of the year he had something like a 1.36 ct side rating on in most events like generally very very high impact on ct side as well and then his t sides were dragged down to like 0.9, 1.0, 1.06, 0.9, 1.0, 1.06, and that was pretty consistent throughout the first six to seven months of the year. And then when you hit, especially once we hit LAN at the end of the year, he, like, both stats evened out, which is what, like, that's also part of why he looked so insane at the end of the year, because he actually brought that level up towards the end of the year. Um, not that he didn't have impact on the T side at all, but, like, the, the fact being that overall throughout the year, he was impact early on was still higher than Nico's regardless in the end. Nico, like, I think the the points you're making are still valid in terms of his overall impact on the server. It's just that when you're accounting for him being, like, over Zewu, I don't think that that's, that really has merit this year specifically. I would I, say I would say that I that I do I do value what he did at the major so much more than everything else. That's that's kind of why because I, I I just said it for Hawka's video that I feel like the reason 2020 simple was better than 2020 Zaiwu for me is just is or yeah, it was just simply that Katowice, the one big event, is where simple just dominated and Zwu didn't do that well. So I think like I'm I do have a more narrow lens or narrow scope on this because I don't frankly like care that much what happened in like I am um, summer or whatever the fuck these kind of events are Dude, like, just online. Like, like they, they just that mean point, so much less to me. I still think it's like almost unfair to like completely discount like the entire online thing because it's just there's also just like a natural like up and down a trend of teams and it's like so towards the end of the year, I don't think like Nico's playing better than Zivu just because it's on land. You know what I mean? Like I think there's a lot of other factors that go into that that have nothing to do with it being on land. Like obviously Zewu has no fucking problem just fucking fragging out kids on land and just on stages, whatever. So I don't know. I guess I just don't value that as much as, at this point as maybe other people do. I think if, if the like, whole year had been one event. if the whole year had been online, then I would have a much easier time agreeing with uh Zywoo over Nico, right? Because like just obviously then you can't test for something else. You can't see something else. But and but I think if the whole year was on land as well, that Zywoo would like quite easily be over Nico still. 
Okay, well, I mean, that's a separate conversation we could have. I, yeah. I'm not sure that that's true. It's kind just of because, speculative, and I don't... Yeah. yeah. I think if the whole year's is, on land, a lot of other things go differently. How, like, people no, make roster moves like, instantaneously, and, you know, Gambit you, fall mm-hmm. off. And, I mean, I mean it is speculative, the, but you can't discount point. the first six months of the year at all. Like, yeah, that's that, just... That doesn't make any sense. Like, like I just talked about a whole year, right? That comes back to Maui's role point as well. It's like, Alpers surely across more matches across more tournaments on average are going to do better than riflers i guess it's just like you get more opportunities to have that level of impact if you're an alper as well so i mean the fact that nika was able to do it in a small amount of events obviously you know we we need to see more events to see how really how he's able to be consistent with the rifle in that role but in the events that happened last year that were important he did pop off but maybe across the year Zaiwu does better if it's all lamb just because you know Ulper should do better on average across the year and, and be able to have that more impact but in the events that did happen Nico popped off with a rifle I, I want to bring up one point about the like how much the whole year matters and how I feel like that's kind of also selective in Peter's list is that why is bit number nine then why is bit even in the top 10 if he didn't play for a quarter of the year you know, like why? And he did didn't do even do that well in that quarter of the year that he played. So why is why does Bit get a pass in this thing? And it's like, oh, but that. So like, it's almost like the Bit logic here would be like, you know, those that graph that he made for why Zaiwu is better uh, than Nico. If you made that graph for Bit, if you made that graph for Bit, why he would get beat by so many people because of that that first quarter just didn't do that well. So I that's another gripe I have separately with the list. It's not it's not even relevant necessarily the Nico Zaiwu competi- uh, contest here. It's just that uh, I don't think bit should be that high. If if this is supposed to be a whole if we're using the same train of logic that it's for the whole year, then bit should never be in the top 10 for me. Like people that in sports that miss like, you know, a third of a season, they don't get considered for all NBA kind of rewards or like all like they don't get considered for MV- MVP comp um like conversation they don't consider for almost anything so i think that missing those three four months for for bid essentially or just not playing is like how is that not more of an indictment on his ability to or how it like his case to make it to top 10 so one thing i feel like a lot of people are missing with this though is that the the land events at the end of the year were still weighted more than online it doesn't matter like the the whole fact is the only event that was equal online to the land events at the end of the year was Katowice at the start of the year because there's six elite tier events so there's big events and then there's elite tier events in the elite tier there's only six events throughout the year and that was Katowice then Cologne uh Blast Fall and Global Finals Winter and uh what am I missing the major obviously so that like regardless those those five events at the end of the year still had more impact overall. So when you have a player like Bit performing to that level across those events even with not playing the first 3 months of the year, that overall impact was so immense that it it put him high enough to make it to the top 10. That's the thing. Like his overall level of play if he'd been playing for the entire year, he would have been like even higher at that point. The fact is that because he missed out on the first three months of the year, that's that's a big portion of why he didn't make it that like further up the list as well. So I think it, saying that he wasn't performing well enough or it, to to deserve his spot at number nine is like a little bit uh, short sighted almost. I I think it's just more like the lack of consistency there would probably just make him for me like a few slots lower. Like whereas somebody like you know, NAF was just delivering the entire year 
it it seems like it it's just like he came out of nowhere and yeah yeah he had a huge impact in the the events that he did play once he once he hit his stride in the last half of the year you know it was Navi was unstoppable and bit was a huge reason why I'm not going to discredit that at all it's just that when I if I'm like it just almost is like two conflating like ways to put a list together where it's like you're so the so the first quarter matters so much for the Zaiwu over Nico argument, but then it doesn't matter at all for Bit to be ninth. Like it, it just seems it, it just seems like the waiting for that to me never really balanced out. Where I, I, I do I do get the fact that you're saying that he did so well in these last few events that it got him to ninth, but it's like, but if you do but, nothing for three for three four months, like that doesn't that hurt you at all? Like I mean, a little bit more. But Zaiwu is also like a better player like he was number two in like three events at the end of the year too so it's not just the first part of the year that weighed him over nico it's the fact that it's the two combined a he was better than nico at the start of the year and he was still playing to that level at the end of the year so it's not like he just dropped off a cliff or something by the end of the year it's the fact that he had that consistency throughout and even so like if you look at the the stats from that were even posted in the article like his rating in big matches was still higher than Nico's by the end of the year, regardless. So, like the the impact he's having deep into tournaments is still higher. The big matches thing started was counting a lot of online games, though. Like I I know what it was. I just like I didn't. That's the thing. That's why I posted the land stat I, on Twitter because he then then he came back and he like doubled the amount of matches played. And it's like okay, so half of those are from big matches, which are online. And it's like okay, that's that that's to me why it's like I didn't really even feel like engaging once he posted that stat because I'm like oh, I don't even I don't even know what matches those are. Like that just could be there matches in the latter half of tournaments, so usually past the group stage slash playoffs. So which like are, the bracket yeah, stage of tournaments or the the like latter half of a tournament basically but then if you're like don't if you do badly in the beginning then it's like you never get a chance to play big mat uh, that's i don't know that, that whole that's that part whole, of the point right yeah but like yeah, but then, then you're testing for team success in addition to individual success right i think that's probably the the critical flaw with only t- scaling or scanning for big event matches because if you if your team lets you down the way that Zaiwu's team, well, Zaiwu let him his team down in the opening stages of the major, but say he played well and then his rest of his teammates, you know, Kyojin'd themselves out of playoffs. Well, then he doesn't get any points for that. Now that's, I mean, well, you that, have to decide true, what to there's, do. There's you, two different stats for that. There's there's matches against top five teams, matches against top ten teams. Then there's matches in like sorry ratings in big events. I don't think and they then played there's overall threes against top five teams in the major until Navi, right? I mean, they played against, I'm trying to remember who they played against besides Entropic. Anyway, the, what I'm getting at is more so that like, you have to decide what criteria you're testing for. Like you have to actually make a rule. I mean, I'm not saying HLTV doesn't do this, mind you. I'm saying that they have to, they have to pick something. And so what they've picked is like, okay, as long as they're upfront about it, which I think they are now, if you read their articles and stuff, like what, what they're actually testing for. And they do have these graphs and they, you know, show off these stats and stuff. And, and that's supposed to lead you to some way to reverse engineer what they, how they got to their solution. Can you elaborate whether or not uh, they actually have a set algorithm or set, say like a formula that turns it into something? Like basically if I run in, if I plug in all the numbers the same way that HLTV gets with into their formula, will I still get the same HLTV or is it influenced by I, like, do I they don't have... know about that. Okay. Cause I was going to say, really I was, I'm that. wondering if like, is, is there a deal breaker that's, uh, based on, you know, for example, Peter's 
uh, well, it's not, it's not like a one sum. It's not a one sum ranking, right? There's so many different yeah. stats that get pulled in and yeah. overall impact that the players have throughout the year that is used. It's not like one thing will make you like surpass another player. There's so many different factors to it that all combine into into the ranking, right? So saying something like, "Oh, Zewu had like." Uh, didn't play this many teams at the major or something he still played like top 10 teams across the board top five teams in other events like the fact is that that combined with like the the other impact that he had throughout the year and other statistics as well is what puts him above nico in the end like it's got sure. nothing to do with like one specific thing no yeah that's, it's I a was combination saying if you, of all yeah, the elements right if you aggregate all of the stats that you guys were testing for i was just one, curious if you were aware whether or not they actually do Take all of these numbers, put them all into some sort of magic math machine, and then they get out their list. I don't think it's a magic math machine, but like it's a combination of looking at, like watching the matches and also looking at the statistics in the end, right? Because Peter, I know for a fact, watches like every big event every single time. According to his, yeah, he certainly tweets about all of them, right? So like it does seem like that. It seems like he's very glued to the screen kind of guy, so. But okay. even then, like you can look at the the why this player was that rank in the article, and it breaks down like the specific stats per for each of Nico and and Zibu. So it's like when you're asking about that, it's still displayed publicly. It's yeah, just yeah. that people don't seem to read it sometimes. So, yeah, that, well, that's what I okay. was referencing earlier. It seems like they actually are more like they show you their work in a sense. They also have text reasoning that you can look at too. We've uh, always done that though. Yeah. I'm not saying yeah, that okay. you guys haven't. I'm just I'm clarifying <laughs> okay. for people who who don't look at these lists that if you do look gotcha. at them, you can you can reverse engineer. You can theoretically go put yourself into their shoes and then get the same results or see how they did okay. it anyway. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I think Note did a really good job there of um, get, being on like actually very fairly being on HLTV side and actually like you know explaining the the process behind the list. And so I appreciate I appreciate your contributions. Note I will. Still, I will still live with my. I will. I will die on this hill. I will die on this hill that I do think Nico was better in the year. Um, but I don't know. I, I I like see more reasoning now because of what you said that, but than I did before. So I actually do appreciate all of that. Um, Maui, at least thing. you have a hill because I'm just up in like the Harry Potter cupboard somewhere. Like eh, online doesn't <laughs> matter. Yeah, you know I'm yeah. like the rat in the cellar. You know? You're just Bernogo. Yeah, I don't even have a name. It's <laughs> I, the, my last gripe with the list is I thought Frozen should have made it, actually. I think that's okay. my last gripe with it. And I kind of would have re- I would have just been down. I, I think it's I've been pretty, pretty public about my distaste for for Rops's play. I would have just subbed him in for Rops. I think when 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 Frozen did well and there's I'm sure there's there could be a stat here and I would love to see one if there was like if Frozen has above a 1.2, I feel like Mouse just almost almost always wins the map. But if Rops has above a 1.2, I think it has no, it, it literally like, there's no correlation at all if they win the map or not to me anymore. Like I just see Rops with like these 1.3 ratings in games and like they lose 16 to, to nine. I'm like, how the fuck did you even get this? And why was it so not impactful at all? You know, any, any Rops, any Rops stands here, any, any frozen fans here, any, anybody. Um, so my, my last opinion is that I don't care what level of competition he played. OC was robbed. Okay, then Elian also to you would have been a yeah uh, no just OC just OC okay all sure, right well, sure. on my list can we sub OC for Elian then because Elian's my homie dude I'm not biased yeah yeah fair and fair and based fair and based <laughs> <laughs> take out one eye take out the eye eye and biased and it's based 
I'm just happy we don't have this. Well, hopefully, won't have all the caveats we had last year. You know, we got actual good teams now. They've actually made some roster moves to put the teams together. So, I mean, the star players actually have a team that should be able to win every single one of them. So that's cool. And also, hopefully, less online events. Obviously, for the first quarter, we're expecting more online events. So we're going to have a look at that. But I guess for, for the most of the year, hopefully, we'll be back to land and more of a stable schedule because... You know, G2 were, went to LAN, played really well, went online and lost to like sinners in Pro League and went out last. So it's like there's no consistency at all. And it's really hard to figure out a narrative or really follow anything in a year that just constantly changes week in, week out completely. And, you know, you go back to LAN, it's the same stories. You have to pick up when you were in LAN a year ago because we went from Navi G2 in Katowice 2020, first LAN backs Cologne. It's the exact same final. And it's like all the online teams pretty much dropped off. So it's like, I just want a consistent narrative storyline throughout the year with less caveats. Now, hopefully we'll have this argument towards the end of the year again. That will be, that'll be really good. That's right. Nico kept that land from, from, from online era to now. That's right. That's <laughs> fucking right, Dinko. That's why. That's why. Yeah, we just okay. need, but this time it's going to be moot because obviously Nico will be top two. And Zebra won't be. Bye. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> this time next year, we're, we're done. <laughs> we're just gonna keep we're gonna keep bringing every point back to this now yeah that's just the theme of the podcast now i'm sorry i'm next sorry next year that's... if uh if nico's above you i'm just gonna do the exact opposite of you guys and like are you hardcore about why zoo should have been higher <laughs> all right <laughs> i love it statistics. can we do I a bet? Bet? sort of the magic works can we do like a what are those lord bets or whatever what, what do you want if you win and zoo is above nico again nhl tv top 20 2022 note I mean, I'm not predicting that. <laughs> You're not? I really wanted to bring it back. I would have, like, just hardcore argued for Mantu being above Zewu. <laughs> oh, my God. Talk about, talk about the throwbacks. What throw the fuck is this? This is, like, season one of, like, an eight-season-long show, and, like, there's an r- obscure reference the writers left into, like, the first episode or something that nobody's seen. That's a good one. I, I um, one last thing. Why do we bring up Bits HLTV or his headshots percentage if that shit doesn't count towards his his HLTV rating? <laughs> He's <at all>? fucking <laughs> sick. It's cool. It's cool. It's cool to get headshots. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. That's why Nico should be higher, dude. Headshot percentage should matter. <laughs> what if it did? All right, all right. All right. all right, all right. Centaurs would be up there, man. Exactly. Yeah. Eternal fire. Eternal. Um, okay. Okay. Actually, I didn't write this down in the topic list, but I, it is, it is, we do, we should bring this up because it's the first tournament of the year and it was fun spark. Um, any big, any big takeaways did you guys have from, from what happened there at the fun yeah. spark ulti 2021, despite being in 2022 finals. I'm glad to be in the presence of the greatest host of 2022 so far, Maui. That was a fantastic performance, MVP performance at fun spark. <laughs> you hit the, the host desk. I I, ho- I hosted the first event of the year that had a had a um an MVP actually. It's amazing. But hey, I hear those don't count for anything. So that's true. <laughs> I'm also hosting this podcast, so I don't know. Maybe it doesn't count at all. <laughs> Maui, I thought the way you held angles on the broadcast was perfect. That's the only Thank thing you. I saw from the whole event, by the way. Sorry, guys. Thank you. Well, we got online uh, peaked a few times. Gambit and Tropic final again. Exact same final that we had um in the V4 festival yeah. towards the end of last year. 
I think Entropic are a team that are going to really improve this year even further. Like they're a team that unfortunately don't, I don't know how much money they've got. I know they're owned by like a poker uh, player from uh, Czech Republic, but they don't have a whole lot of money. So we're not going to see them be a like partner team or anything. So they're always just going to have to play through qualification systems. And they're always really dangerous. You know, Fnatic plays in a lot of those and there's just a lot of good teams there. But, you know, Entropic, every time they get a shot at a pretty good event, they're always sort of going for deep runs now, even the major, now, you know, V4 and now into Fun Spark Ulti. This team really are impressing me and uh, I'm glad to see them, like the hard work they do really pay off because they're even grinding those online cups that I don't even know what they're called, like Home Sweet, Home 49 or something at this point. Like they're, they they're still play playing everything. every single one of those. They're just playing yeah. constantly because they have to because there's nothing else. They, they're not part team for Louvre. They're not in Blast. So. I, play, I played them yeah. fucking twice in a month on Nordavan and like Elias and Advanced Playoffs, like just fucking just... Just literally why are they even there yeah yeah they're there yeah. they're just yeah, they're they riders. <laughs> i remember at the hotel they finished playing a land match and then they had to speed back in the hotel for the shuttle because they had a game against eternal fire after two best of threes they played on land had to get in the shuttle quickly run to the practice room and straight away play another game Jesus. against eternal fire and then they demo reviewed right after in the hotel lobby so the team are on the grind Oh my god. Why are they doing it in the lobby? Are they just doing that for optics? Are they just trying to show well, no everybody? One, I don't think there was any Russian speakers <laughs> around, so they were just they were just chilling. Just okay. like, oh, get, let's sit beside the casters because they'll tell people that we're really working hard. Yeah, that's what, exactly <laughs> that's what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> um I, I'll say I'll say uh, a couple anybody well, actually first, did anybody else have any any stuff they liked or whatever about or saw about the event? Uh, I mean, I was, it was nice to see complexity play, even though JT was sitting there with like 150 ping or whatever. Exactly. Yeah, I think he, had, uh, one, he told me he had 140, actually. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, I mean, at least he's in Europe for Blast now, so we'll not have to yeah, deal with that. Yeah, that's good. My other takeaway was Norbit losing to a static and then... What a classic. Oh my oh, god! Okay, people, this is the same guy that like got mad when like a team used five snipers yeah, against his team. Yeah, no, so if, yeah, yeah. He was literally like, "Do you, you disgrace your family?" Or I don't even remember what he said. Yeah, he said something yeah, about you're it. a disgrace. Like, I can't believe. Let you me explain didn't it for there. people that so, yeah that that didn't that didn't watch or know what's what I'm what we're talking about is that Norbert, player for K23, basically basically he 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 did accuse he did accuse Bird from Sky. He didn't accuse. Of, ra <laughs> of radar hacking, of cheating, of cheating. He didn't say how or whatever, but he he basically sus he sussed him out. He yeah. he threw a vote for him to send him out the airlock, but he didn't accuse. Somehow that's different from accusing. He him. did his, an Overwatch case and CS:GO, you know, yeah. suspect. <laughs> yes, exactly. So he he said it. And Bird from Sky and the whole uh, ecstatic team, they were getting a lot of negative messages, mostly in chat or like forums or like on the, the match threads and stuff like that about how many good reads um, Bird from Sky was making, which is a fair, which was fair to actually be suspicious because at one point in the tournament, they had something like a 66% T round win percentage. Like it was like, what is, like, how are they doing this? So Norbert and uh, Norbert, Norbert directly said, like, these guys are, are uh, pretty much cheating. And then, um, Floppy did put out the, the message like, let's just see it, make sure that HLTV matches have anti-cheat. So, I, I mean, that was kind of like, like but kind of, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was just a floppy bait tweet. Man, oh, the, I, easy explanation. Yeah, I think that was a floppy bait tweet. Oh, I, uh, I went and like looked at their demo against K23 on like Inferno to see if like I noticed anything suspicious. I was like, I don't know, dude, they're just going banana and just killing them. Like, yeah. there's nothing crazy about this. 
Right. Like, like, I feel like they just have good T-side timings as well, so I'm not that surprised that they have good T-sides, because, I mean, there's, like, one round where, like, they they, they had, like, they were trying to do, like, a B-split from, like, CT and, um, from CT and from, from Banana. Oh, uh, yeah, and they, didn't That's Bird a, from Sky have the bomb in, in spawn or something? He despawn or something? No, I don't know if he had it in spawn. I think the Banana players had it, but he was, like, rapping through his art smoke, and then so they, uh, K23 had, like, a player holding, holding rap from CT spawn. And then, like, as soon as the B players made contact, that arch play- that rap player, like, turned around, and that's when Bird from Sky, like, took the timing and, like, backstabbed him. And it was like, and he was probably like, because it was like the instant he turned away from rap, Bird from Sky comes running in with a MAC 10. And so mm. they were probably, like, pissed about, like, shit like that. But, like, to me, it was just good timing. Like, he just timed it well. He, he went instantly as the B players connected. Yeah, I tried to tell people, dude. Fishy. God from Sky is no joke, okay? He's a legend. <laughs> legend of Counter-Strike in the making. I'm it, telling you, been in the making for about 20 years. Young talent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are we sure it's just Hunden? Yeah. yeah, I said actually. Yeah, bird from sky with a bird eye view of the whole map. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, the the oh, jokes write themselves too. Could you imagine if he found a way to do it? Like if he was actually radar. He's just making cocktails. Well, yeah. bird from sky touches land. We need to have like serious questions about who this is. Twenty-eight yeah. year old. I was land gonna say if, uh, if Alex didn't have more fun spark top uh, topics, this would be such a great transition to eternal fire and other team who've just accused random people of cheating. Of course. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> um, I haven't seen that. Wait, wait you haven't wait, seen that? That was I seen that, that was uh, that was. I think when the team first formed, like a month or something after they first formed, they were accusing like a couple of players of cheating in online matches. Yeah. Or something. Oh my god. I don't remember the exact example, but uh, yeah, that was that was definitely a thing. I think it was Zanteras. He like recorded. He recorded his screen with his phone or something of like a dust uh, yeah, to an inferno clip. Like that, yeah. Yeah. I don't remember exactly who it was, but I just remember mm. that happening. But. Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, also, never go all in like I did, uh, saying complexity and fin- or fanatic would win the event because they're the <laughs> first two knocked out. Oh yeah. Wait. Did you? Wait. Did we? We said that right? Like we we gave predictions on it, right? Didn't we? Oh, I tweeted it. I doubled oh, you tweeted down. it. Yeah. I don't oh, think we even it. covered and the then, event. And then yeah. JT. Okay, we we and then it. and then I knew JT uh, had visa issues to get there, and then I doubled down. I'm like, nope, still happening. <laughs> still gonna make Jeez. it. Still gonna do it. Um, shit. I'll say my general takeaways from the event were just that Astralis are really bad right now. They're really messed mm-hmm. up. They're not looking good. Uh, Fnatic are kind of like just almost there in a lot of games, but then they just seem to be bad at like closing them. So that's, I feel like Fnatic look like they, even though they per- place worse than Astralis, I feel like their future is brighter for somehow for just sure. by the for eye sure. test. Uh, like they, they would lose rounds that were kind of like, oh, it just looked like you guys didn't communicate this 2v1 very well, you know, like stuff like that, which is fixable. Whereas Astralis is like structural. Yeah. Astralis results just tell me that, like, I don't know. I feel like they're just spinning their wheels at the moment. I don't understand. Like, I feel like it's just a waste of time to just yep. keep like trying this lineup. You know what I mean? Like, I just yeah. don't see how it's ever going to like ever just progress to being an actual good team. And then yeah. Lucky was doing a little bit of Alpine again. And it, I mean, it just feels like, why don't you just cut? lucky and get an alper like there's a far leash is there right now and just they would improve the team massively it's an actual project you can work on it's something that's good and better than this at least i mean I like, you look yeah, at the yeah. team fanatic lost to and they're they're good teams like good structural teams you know astralis are one of the teams that they lost to but you know astralis losing the k23 steam authenticator code and the rest of the game so <laughs> i mean it, it is a rough that, showing man. for astralis and i think it's getting even worse now like a lot of the players i think config's got COVID as well like this this could be a rough start to the year for astralis Con- config just 
Is he just doing stuff? Yeah, I don't know. Okay, whatever. Either way. Uh, <laughs> why does he always get an injured or sick? Like, yeah, I was going to say, but like... We need to wrap this guy in bubble wrap. And just, like, yeah, yeah, put him in a bubble. Far like doesn't even have to be like a long-term solution, but like it would still like instantly improve them just by way of like making their roles like 10 times better and having an opera that isn't back. terrible. Yeah. yeah. See, I don't actually even think... I mean, I don't think Lucky actually is a problem right now. I feel like their issues are kind of run deeper than that, that on their T sides... I feel like Blame F, Lucky, well, I guess Lucky is a problem in this sense. It's like Blame F, Lucky, and Zip, Zipnix all want to be these late round players. And you know, it's just so obvious who's on the bench. <laughs> so obvious who's on the bench right now that could just be a more early round player. And I don't know why, it, like, why with Zipnix playing this badly at every tournament, why not just try Bubski for a bit? Like, if they're if you're already doing this lucky stuff, just put in Bubski too, and just see, like, okay, let's just run with a young lineup for a little bit and see what Glaive can do with it. Because Glaive is freaking good still. Like, Glaive is. I, I actually was trying to talk. I was talking to Kassad about this in the green room a lot. I was like, bro, do you think Glaive, if he weren't IGLing, he could be top twenty some years? And Maybe his mechanics are a little behind people there, but in terms of game sense, he's like best in the world. Yeah, still. positioning he, he's is so great. good. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, he's shooting people through. He was shooting people through all those smokes and stuff, and it was like nobody could do it like Glaive, and nobody really has since then. Before it's then, almost we had like Flusher. a bug got <laughs> fixed, man. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> no, he still does it sometimes, though. He'll still do yeah, it. He He'll does. still shoot people. It like, is. Yeah, yeah well, he probably trained up his game sense a bit based on timings and stuff, which is fair. You know, yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> Valve puts the I, bug I in the game. Still, he might as well do it, right? As bad as he's played, I will still be of the opinion that you would have to be fucking insane to drop Zipnix before you drop Lucky. Yeah, um, just based on the veterans he says. Yeah. See, okay, here's yeah, the thing yeah. about this team yeah. is that Lucky, I don't even know why Lucky wants to play late round. I don't know if that's something that like he was just more comfortable on and tricked, but I, I don't imagine it was because, you know, like, I don't know. The whole thing for me smells because Lucky wasn't opping for a while and now he is opping, but they aren't really seeing an uptick in, in results. And I just don't understand, like, I get maybe they're really trying to lay in on the idea that, oh, well, you're trying to replace device. There's no way you could do that in your rookie stint at tier one. So let's ease you into the role. But then they wouldn't, like, take the op away from him sometimes and mm -hmm. then give it back to him. You know what I mean? Like, there would be other things that would be true that aren't true if that premise was true. And that's a lot of truths. So... I just think that it's it makes sense to say, okay, Lucky, you know, maybe you aren't actually the entire source of our problems, but you are certainly a problem and we have a solution. <laughs> you are a problem. Yeah. So but I'm going to recklessly speculate that maybe the reason why Bobski hasn't already stepped in is because he said no, because all of the times Estrella said no to him. Maybe he's it's his turn to fuck him. You never know. Like, it could be a thing. Recklessly speculating, of course. He's not a... It's not a Counter Strike player anymore. You have to play Counter Strike to be a Counter Strike player. That is it's true. Just Astralis's nope. meme thing on, on the bench. In He's fact, Ronaldo leaking that <laughs> Bubsky said no to Astralis. Yeah. <laughs> my, ins my insider contacts rivaled only by the likes of Rush B. Yeah, is that where Bubsky is in your Harry Potter cupboard up on top of the hill? Yeah. Is that where you're getting all this info? <laughs> that could make sense too. He's Dobby. <laughs> Master, <laughs> Master has given Bubsky a spot on Nuke. That's why he puts his feet on the desk. He's proud of his socks. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay, that's what good. A that's a good one. I like that. I like that. Uh, one, one more thing. I, I guess I, I, I'll just say like 
for for Big, I I set my prediction before the event was that Big was going to come top three. I, I thought this Favin moves great. I still believe that. I think it's going to take him some time to be really good with this lineup. But I mean, top three over you know other teams. That I don't think many. I think actually the bet maker odds and like a lot of people thought Fnatic was going to beat Big, and then that didn't happen. And then Big beat K twenty three, which wasn't that surprising, admittedly, but. Like big could have came in second place in this event, but they choked. They choked to uh, to Entropic. I forgot what the lead that they had was. Something like I want to say something like fourteen to nine or something. So th- this was a this was a great coming out for the new big lineup in my eyes. That that Sursen uh, is freaking good. Like Sursen can just take over games again. Uh, Tabson is still is probably probably the best fragging in game leader right now. I, I don't know. I mean, in the top top 12 or so like is are there really any that can Glaive contest with him being... um glaive like you were mentioning i think tabs is better i think tabs no better. but he, he certainly is but you know he can contest with him at least but okay yeah also alex they choked a 13 to 4 13 4 yeah it was bad it was bad something it was bad it was ugly right so i had to that, look it up i was like no that doesn't it was right. even worse it was Insane. even worse yeah yeah thank you for getting the best fragging igl in the world jt Okay, so JT. Okay, let's just we're moving off this. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna just do something else now. Okay, um, I am excited to see what complexity can do in the future. Uh, I'll say that, but I'm gonna leave it at that. Uh, let's go. Let's get into the the blast groups uh, preview here. So, I want to start by just kind of talking about this format change. Um, let me see. My computer is re- no. Can you you want to go over the format change? I'm I'm my my opening a new tab. Yeah, it's it's kind of weird, but essentially they had teams seed each other into three groups, um, and as essentially, and it's all Bo ones in the first stage, and the team that um, so the team that basically wins the upper bracket goes into the third round of the playoffs or whatever, uh, or not playoffs, but like the it's the like a, second stage, kind of a second um, stage gauntlet of. Bracket. yeah exactly like, yeah uh and then the team that places second from the group goes into the second stage of the bracket or the gauntlet and then the other teams who the other two teams uh get seated into the first part of the gauntlet and it sort of swaps the teams that you play in the next group so you're no longer playing exclusively against the teams in your group uh personally i hate this format I think this the old format was confusing. Yeah, a it's confusing think, yeah. to like the general viewer. I think yeah. B, I think the old format was just better mm-hmm. um, and much much clearer, both for results but also just for general results. The one benefit to this is that you get to see teams and like groups play against each other in the in the second gauntlet stage, which is kind of nice, I guess. But even then, I don't think it's really I don't think it really makes sense uh, because essentially losing all of your matches in the first like uh in the, first in the initial stage, stage does yeah. basically nothing other than you have to play an extra match yeah i really hate right. when group stages have like no consequences in terms of losing them i i've been seeing yeah. that a little bit more to just to get more games out there and i feel like that's just kind of like why aren't you punishing teams for not coming into this game or into the tournament like competitive 
I just um, think anytime you have to sit here and explain for a solid 10 minutes, 10 seconds, at least of what the format is or longer than 10 seconds. Let's be real. It's too much, man. It's too much. It went over my head. Can you explain it again? Yeah, Can you repeat all, that? Okay. You know well, what I mean? Like, I think, no, I'm not serious about re-explaining. I'm just saying like it's the average person is not going to understand what's happening. You know I, what I mean? I think this is going to result in two things. Weirdly, like one. Uh, the first, the biggest thing is that the broadcast day is now going to be long as f, yeah. dude. The broadcast day is going to be crazy long. I know that's something I think of fast because, like, if I'm working that broadcast, <laughs> like, I'm just like, bro, this is like, why, why are we working a twelve hour day? Because I consistently watch the entire day of blast. Like, I'll watch all of on YouTube. I'll like skip through it a little bit here and there, but I'm watching almost every single segment and sure. I watch every single game. And now I don't know if I'm going to do that because twelve hours of Counter Strike in a day. Mm-hmm. Is insane. Like, and they're BO1s. And yeah, so I, I guess I'll just skip a lot or something. Yeah, uh, the, the thing is with Blast, they just had such a good system last year, you know, and the year before. It's just like, it makes a lot of sense how it pans out. You know, okay, here's the two games for today. And it's very easy to plan around that, even as a casual viewer, but also as someone who is keeping track of the entire tournament. Plus, you know, each match kind of it matters. So it's very, very simple to like follow. You understand the consequences of this game, but now you've got to actually go and try and figure out, okay, if they lose this game, but win this game, it's just, it's just a lot more added into it. I think in general, it doesn't actually appeal to a lot of casual viewers in, in a way which i thought blasted a fantastic job back because even like the the content the shoulder content's really good for keeping casual viewers entertained throughout the day but that's not going to be enough now to to keep them here from 3 p.m till 11 p.m at night so I, no one can do that so you really will just start to pick and choose and then your watch time is going to be really bad as well because you only have a best of one throughout the day and people tune in and want to watch their team play it's it's not going to be very easy to to continue the narrative throughout yeah, the day I, it's just confusing yeah, I like the idea of it, but like I, I get what it's trying to accomplish, and I, I appreciate that. But I, overall, I just think it's like a bit confusing. It kind of hurts the overall like connection of like the narrative and the story of everything. It's just a bit, a bit weird. Yep. What do you think it is trying to accomplish exactly, Mix? Like what? Not, not putting you on blast. I'm just asking. Like what? I just because I, I, like, I don't understand. What I can, it's I can answer that. If okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, I was just gonna I, say it's like two state, like having two stages, like having one stage, like people see the BO1s, the groups, that's like one thing. You're playing all these teams and then people are, you're still getting like more games out of it to see these, these all these like new teams play. Oh, uh, okay. Like so it's, you year, think it's of, more like an, they're taking the exhibitionist almost and like trying yeah, to... Yeah, I think it gives you like more matchups basically. Yeah. And different matchups. It, 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 it also increases watch hours for one. That's, okay. that's big. And it's also gonna, it's also makes it so that teams that are partner teams don't feel like they feel like, uh, if we lose, like for some reason, like some, this was a thing before sometimes like, oh, we just had a really hard group. And so we lost in our hard group. And now you have kind of, because of the swap in the, the second stage of this whole thing, which I'm, I'm just calling it the gauntlet. I don't know the real name, like the gauntlet part of it. Like I'm just, it's now a point where if you lose that part, now you kind of do deserve to lose because you lost to even another group's lower seated team too. To me, this just seems like a poverty version of what Flashpoint was trying to run. <laughs> like the, the original the triple it group, is. the triple groups, like just reseeding and everybody picking their teams. And yeah, it was it was a the lot. Flashpoint was exactly. confusing to watch well, all the time. I mean, you say that, but I think the Flashpoint one format, if it was actually given more time, was actually it pretty actually good. Made the, it statistically like actually worked out very well in almost every iteration possible where there'd yes. never be a tie because of it. Like that's And the narratively, there was just so much to it because the teams that top the groups could like pick the next groups and sort of see teams differently. I really like that aspect of it. So I feel like this just takes that and it's like, what if we made it worse and made all of the matches best of ones? 
So oh, yeah. it's just it's just not as good as that. And there's far less narrative stake to all of the matches, I feel, especially in the first like in the first stage for sure. I feel like if I'm gonna watch, it's mostly gonna be the gauntlet matches if I'm not writing about the match, obviously. Mm-hmm. I, I'll say I'll say one one benefit of this format is that every time a group finished, there was that like basically the the most hype match in every the t- most hype matches in every group were two of them it was the upper bracket final and the lower bracket final cuz the upper bracket final would be like the two teams one of which is going to like uh, progress to the grand final of the group and then that meant that they secured a spot for the upcoming blast finals like spring spring or fall finals and then the lower bracket finals was like one team's eliminated sent to the showdown and then the other team progresses to that winner the the finals of the group and then the finals of the group was pointless like it literally made no sense to even play it because it was like a seeding game essentially like you know those like nip versus big like game that just like both of these teams are already going to the fall finals why do we have to see who's seeded number one and number two like it, it made no sense and when i would when i talk to people at blast they're like oh some guy like really high up in the scenes just kind of wants there to be a winner and we don't like that but they they took it out they took it out so i'm glad that they took it out because that, those games were in my eyes just like kind of a show match you know you could see you could see teams weren't really giving it their all in those so i i feel like every game kind of more so matters now but mm. you can still lose everything and not get eliminated the other thing about best of ones is everybody thinks it's a great idea how to shorten the day by having best of ones. But I don't think people realize how long best of ones take now. Like it doesn't it's not like they're very quick matches. In fact, it actually could be longer than a best of three because you have, OK, a best of one with two teams. But the economy and how it is right now, the games last forever. You have the halftime break. But not only that, you then have to switch off the teams to come back on and put two whole new rosters on, set them up with their comp face, get everybody ready to go. I'm sure Blast will have a system in place for that, but the best of ones aren't going to be as short as you think they're they're going to be. So these days, you know, as they're scheduled, it looks doable. Like they, they tr- kind of add up to how two best of threes would go if they went all three maps, but it's never actually going to pan out like that. You're going to have way more little details that are going to cause you problems throughout the day. The days are going to be super long and, and really taxing on the players you have to play in the morning and then the evening. It's It's not going to be as short as everybody thinks. I mean, Blast just heard all of the North American fans complaining about how all the NA teams get stuck in the early time slots, and they're like, what if we just made the day six hours longer? So that what if we just made every team? time slot like viable for a team to play? Every team's going to play every time slot, essentially. Also, yeah. to quickly answer Exner's question, Blast groups are uh, online, not, uh, not studio. Yes, yes, they are. They are online. Um, okay, let's actually get into a little bit of the previewing of the groups. Let's actually talk about some Counter-Strike here, and let's talk about who's going to who we think are going to come out on top of these. So uh, I've, I'm pulling up the groups right now. My internet connection is very slow, as people might be able to recognize. Okay, group A got... <laughs> I clicked the wrong thing. You want me to hit you with them? No, 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 I got it now. Okay. God damn. This is so scuffed, I'm sorry. Okay, um, okay group A, we have... G2 versus complexity, big NIP. Let's just try to do like, who do we think is going to come like uh, top? Like, let's just do it. Who do we think is going to win this? I think G2. I think we, we're going to agree with that. Um, second place. I'm going to go big. I'm going to go big in this one. What do you guys think? I'm taking complexity. Yeah, I'm going to go with complexity. I think it's a risk to go with complexity, but 
I think, you know, when you have a roster like this, the main thing I want to talk about is Grim. I think he's going to be way better <laughs> here in Complexity long term than he is in Liquid. Because, you know, you really have to consider a young player like him who doesn't really seem to have the strongest of personalities um, in terms of feeling comfortable. An analogy I would use is like for Formula One, Pierre Gasly got a, a was playing the racing for the B team of Red Bull got a chance to go up to the main team and just flopped the bag entirely so they kicked him out sent him back and he then started putting some of, of his best results ever uh, in the B team so as for me it's like Grimm is one of those guys who's going to perform better not being in liquid and just being in a more comfortable environment I think he's going to be able to really excel in this complexity team I think JT's a leader that's uh going to be a little bit more accommodating for Grimm you know going into a team like Liquid, we have Stewie, you have Elige, and clearly that team wasn't in a great place at the time anyway. Feels like uh, Grimm is going to be much more comfortable in this team. We're actually going to get to see some of his performances um, that we've seen prior to him joining Liquid. And that is something I'm really looking forward to see. And I think just that little honeymoon period is probably going to pop for complexity. And I think they, you know, looking at the group, they could certainly come second in this one. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Okay, okay. Mix, Mix, are you going to jump on the complexity tra hype train after what Dinko just said? See, I'm going to go anti-Homer this time. Wow. I'm going to I'm going to change it up. I'm going to say Big comes second cuz I got I like it. I like your style. I do. I do think G2 and Big. I think these B1s and I think complexity still having to get things figured out. These roles are like Grim and Floppy are pretty much playing uh, brand new roles at this point and I think they're still like getting junior integrated as well. So I think they still have like a lot of work to do. So I think big will be a bit too much for them in, in this specific group. But it's a BO one. They have a lot of talent on complexity. They could easily just brim and junior pop off, floppy pops off, and just take one from big. I mean, I think they could even beat G two. I mean, in these BO ones. Yeah, the, the, uh, the key thing is the key thing is BO ones and G two's debut. Like, there's a lot yeah. of question marks about a lot of this stuff. So, it really, anything can happen. And uh, I mean, I'm not going to predict NIP to get out because that would be ludicrous. There's no way, yeah. uh, obviously. Yeah. So, we have to pick one of the reasonable teams. But you know, besides that, anything can happen in this group. I think for complexity, either they start out sixteen seven. Uh, against G2, or they finish third behind Big and G2. <laughs> uh, you think, yeah. but you think they're going to beat Nip? Do we all think Nip's going to come last in this group? Yes. yes. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah you're much. literally without the one player that makes the team relevant. And yeah. the, the problem, the problem for NIP is, you know, the only time they actually started to pop off and people, well, not even pop off, like started to get better was just before the major and they won that RMR event uh, IM fall that just had so many you know uh, logistical issues in terms of the format didn't really make a lot of sense so they win that tournament but look at NIP they didn't move anywhere in fact they got worse they deranked and we've seen all the other teams around them get better the only time they were even becoming exciting was in the weakest top 10 at a point where you know Vitality was doing nothing and their, their yeah. roster is about to be removed entirely uh, Navi just destroying everybody NIP were only getting a little bit of hype around them because they're playing an EU only RMRs and no one else is good in the RMR and now they've lost device. They brought in Esetide. That didn't work uh, just yet. And I don't think, you know, we're, we're, they've got rid of threat. So where's the leadership in this team? Like Hampus, I don't really think it's going to be an IGL to look at this year. And I just feel like right now, NIP's roster just, ha it actually got worse. Everybody else has got better. They're not really going to do much this year. And it is kind of sad to see, well, hopefully device can get better soon. Yeah. But in terms of like where he That's is, back to the team, I don't think it's going to be much better anyway. <laughs> Esetag joins and his boy just dips for fucking six months. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be honest, like, 
man, NIP look like, like they just look like they'll never get anything. I was gonna, I was putting them last without even remembering device was out to be completely honest. <laughs> There's nothing, I, I didn't just expect them to do anything even, to yeah, like I didn't even expect anything. How fucked must you feel as a NIP fan? If you're in a NIP, NIP fan in the chat or in the YouTube comments or something, like tell us how you feel because I gotta say, this must be really bad. You went from like this device signing, blockbuster, big moves, oh my God, what's next? And then like combination of online error uh, results being middling plus week top 10 that Dinko mentioned basically everything yeah. Dinko said and then obviously they don't even place that well after the fact when the lands return uh, and then device dips at the end after they bring in Essa tag and it's like dude what like they shuffle the academy players it's, earlier in the yeah. year like now they have DJL new coach okay they're moving threat out and the first event he's got is with a scuffed lineup without their star player like hell <laughs> there's no consistency with this lineup at all so even if you wanted to root for the team but didn't care so about the results win. They're gonna win them. The, yeah, the, basically, that's the, the group. <laughs> so it's like the change NIP made over the thing is that like I mean, Threat's still there. He's just not like the head coach behind the players during the thing. I assume he's like in still all their practice and stuff. That seemed like what he wanted to do. Like mm -hmm. he still just wanted to be involved in like the strat making all that. Yeah. And it's like that's great, uh, fantastic. You change up your coaching stuff a bit. Um, but like <laughs> this event sooner or later, they're gonna have to realize that like this rifling core of Hampus, Plopsky, and Res is just not it, and it's just not yeah. ever gonna be it. Not and they. Enough. They're gonna need to make. They're gonna need to change out at least like two of them for like better riflers that are actually going to like consistently frag at a high level. Because device is not Zewu and he's not simple. He's not gonna just drag this team to fucking top fours every time, and that's fine. You know, not everyone is gonna be that. Not everyone has to be that. But sooner or later, you have to realize that like this this core of like Plopsky, Res, and Hampus is just not enough. And Esetag is fine. I think Esetag's good. He's like the role player. He's like doing his thing. He's like a pretty stable piece to have on our team. I don't think he's the problem at all. I think it's just like this core three that like is just not working. Mm. But I mean, there's no Swedish players they can really look to that would improve this lineup anymore at this point. Like, I feel like they just have to go international if they're going to start trying to change out those pieces. Maybe they need to start bringing in some oh. UK flags. You never know. Oh. It might work for Fnatic. Maybe it'll work for them. Oh, you, I mean, you guys saw who they're looking at, right? Jaquinho. Jaquinho, yeah. yo. Like, uh, why not just use Jaquin, Uzi full time? How about Jaquinho? How about that? Is also, he not, but, but I thought he was just going to the Academy team. Yes, like, he yeah, was actually. replacing Fuzzy on the Academy team and Fuzzy was did. going to NIP. He did play. He did play for the academy team, and Fuzzy's moving up. Actually, think about it like this: Jaquinho was so bad for Fnatic that not he didn't actually even get the spot on NIP over Fuzzy. Fuzzy got it, and then to be Fuzzy's replacement—that oh. is Jaquinho's role. That's that is but, really sad. Nice come down. Why is there any expectation about Jaquinho anyway? The dude just came out of nowhere. Like yeah, the I only know. time I've ever I seen Jaquinho play was in UK Premiership, and it's like, why are we putting expectation on this guy anyway? Like there shouldn't be any expectations at all. You just literally found a random Swedish opera, brought him into the team, and you know, I'm not—I wasn't surprised he didn't play that well because like he's not even had that gradual. Okay, I'm going to. We play Academy, get to play on LAN and actually learn how to play properly. He just went, okay, now I'm playing in Fnatic at tier one events and you're just going to get all the hit that comes with that. You're not you're not even getting the slow movement, getting ready to go into tier one. You're just throwing it at the deep end. You don't even know how to swim and you've just drowned. Like that. that's literally what's happened to Jack Kino. But I think going to this NIP Academy team is actually going to be a very good thing for him. And I think maybe we can actually see a little bit of something in the future from him, but he's not ready at all right now. And I think he'll even admit that even in his twit longer, you can see he just wasn't even mentally ready for what comes with being uh, a tier one player. Yeah, they were really scraping the the bottom of the barrel to get that to get to pick him up there. Um, let's oh, move Chat's on. Chat's got B. a good idea. Chat's got a good yeah. idea. Dude, Draken's on the comeback. 
just get him. Sa- he's on Savage. And we know. He's doing okay. I mean, he could go on the Academy team for Jaquinho. <laughs> No, the I think he's actually doing okay. I, I I saw his stats. I mean, I didn't watch any of the games. Can we get... I think Draken should be able to... Like, they should enable subbing in players, like, mid-round so that Draken can run up to Fuzi's PC and be like, the enemy's coming from more than a 45-degree angle. I got him! And then just, it's good. Just, just take over the mouse. Take yeah, it over. Yeah. Then it'd be good. Uh, okay, okay. Let's do group two. Group B, group B. We've got opening matches, Navi versus MIBR. Second match is interesting to me. Astralis versus OG. Let's actually. I want. just want to ask who do you who, who's going to win the Strauss OG match, guys? I think OG, OG. could win it. Yeah, man. I, I was agree. thinking about this earlier. I think Strauss should just you know, Comfy's got COVID. They're just off a really bad event. You know, they're not going to be in a great mindset right now. This is this is a prime chance for OG who have zero expectations now. Like I don't, I don't think this team is going to make a deep run all year long with how the other rosters have got way better yeah. and they've just brought Nexa in. Like this team doesn't have any expectations anymore. Um, so yeah, they could definitely have enough skill, especially online. I think they could certainly take uh, an upset win here over Strauss. Oh, no. Here's here. Here's the real question. Who wins? Astralis or MIBR? No, you, no. I think much, it's MIBR or not. No, it's, it has to be Astralis. No. Yeah, how, much yeah. trust, how much do you actually trust Astralis to win that game? MIBR don't even have cello. Yeah, they don't even have cello. They, they're missing a player. They're using an academy player. There's they're using absolutely an academy no way. Player. How confident are you? I'm not going I'm still very confident, Mix. <laughs> no, no. I, I think that is a prime online BO1. Online BO1. No, there's no chance. There is, there is a chance. no chance. There's there might be a chance. A chance. There is always a chance. You have to understand, there is always a chance. There no. are far crazier things that have happened. Uh, yeah, like lightning uh, striking Charles. someone, yeah. Okay, That's... Mix, who do you think? Who do you think is going to do it? Fuck you, all right? MIBR is going to beat Astralis. Okay, um, he said it like here. Clip it and, and make sure to post it everywhere. When Brazil, M- Brazil, Brazil, listen to me. Brazil, listen to me. MIBR will beat Brazil, Astralis. listen to me. Oh listen God. to me, Brazil. MIBR. <laughs> I didn't say what. I just said the name. Yeah. yeah. And then, he just and wants the you. Brazilian followers. That's really it. That's the only <laughs> reason he's saying it. And you know what? The last dance would also be to Astralis. Are you heard it here. MIBR going to be like... You know the you know the guy they would throw out into the Coliseum first back in Roman times just to like get destroyed by the champion just to get that bloodlust going in the crowd. That's that's all I might be here for at the moment. I just don't think they're gonna be able to do too much at all. Like they don't even have that same excitement about them that that VSM random roster coming out. Yeah, just, well, that, they don't have that though. same excitement about them at all. Like there's there's probably no chance. I for think them they're to just happy. Yeah, they're just happy to be like, here, dude. <laughs> They're like yeah. the fourth or fifth best team in Brazil at this point. <laughs> yeah, it's just like it's going to be bad when Astralis loses to them. Then last <laughs> dance, no joke. This is no troll. The last dance might literally be better than this MIBR. Not even w- without Cello, I almost would put money on this. Like that, the last dance is better than them. Listen, all I'm saying is I played a couple of these players. There's like during like EPL finals, like two and a half years ago when I was with ATK, and they ran the same pop strat on Inferno a lot, and it was pretty good, so you know, if they can just bring that... They got one, strat. They got one <laughs> round. They're gonna win one round, is what you're saying. That one strat that we knew was coming, and we still couldn't stop, so maybe, you know, maybe Astralis two and a half years later. Next two and a half years year. ago, please. Mix, we got refrag now, and it's free for everybody, okay? They're gonna stop that strat right in his tracks. Okay, listen, you guys are gonna look real dumb when MIBR beats Astralis, and I'm gonna look fucking <laughs> Wait, so smart. Mix, you, you realize... They're playing against a blame F who literally would sit there and refrag to find a specific spot to dodge a single flash from Vitality. 
Like, there's no yeah, way that running the same strats working against this team. Yeah. That guy watches right. a lot of demos, right. I heard. There's probably more likelihood right. of MIBR rebranding back to Immortals Gaming Club that right. halfway through the map than them beating Astralis. Right. Like, it doesn't make any right. sense why they're still MIBR. I'm just waiting right. for that to happen. Whatever you guys it's, say. Whatever you guys say. I'll, it, it, I'll, I'll it be on the fence. Okay, I'll yeah, say 50 50, dude. 50 50. Oh, oh my flip. god. There's oh, no. no way. Yeah, yeah. You can't be serious. You actually. Somebody's got to encourage and Mix. Trolling. And besides, I think it would be funny if Astralis lose to MIBRs. So. Dude, you're, you guys are so troll. You guys are so troll. I will say, a serious I, point of analysis about Astralis is that they actually have not done as well as they used to do against teams that they didn't seem to prepare for. Now, we have a sample size of one tournament. But, like, the K23 loss, if that's anything to go by, like, I don't, my analysis brain doesn't say MIBR beat Astralis or even have, like, a solid chance. But if you're going to try to craft that narrative of making that game somewhat exciting to, to watch, then you have to look at it, right? You have to say, like, okay, well, they lost to K23 and that Steam Code guard guy said that Ecstatic were cheating, so... I don't know. There's a the point there somewhere. You guys can figure it out. This comment in chat is killing me, and all Des B Frag wrote is blame F watching MIBR demos. He's not even gonna, he's not even gonna pull it up. Like he actually he actually might not even watch their demos. I'm convinced. Okay, okay, let's move to group C. Let's move um Vitality EG. This is uh, this is the most fun group by far. I'll say that. Like mm -hmm. out the gates. Yeah, this group, this group is sick. Um new Vitality versus new EG and then phase with Rops versus a brand new Liquid essentially. This like is this a stacked is group. crazy. This is where your prediction Okay, we're going 1 through 4 for all of us. Okay, Dinko, go tell us your 1 through 4. Tell us your 1 through 4. Going phase number one, vitality number two, okay, okay, number okay. three, EG, and liquid is number four. Oof. Hurts. Oh my god. You gonna bet against Actually, shock? No. You know what? I'll I've go. just had a change of heart. I actually think it's gonna be number four for EG. I, I've started that was a little close yeah. in between liquid and EG, but I'm gonna put EG in number four. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go vitality number one, phase number two, liquid, EG. Okay, mix. Do you even need to ask who I have as number one? Pretty liquid. obvious. He's just OC, of course. It's, so of course. Course. <laughs> it's not even liquid, it's OC. <laughs> it's OC best rated. He's <laughs> number one. All right. They're going to shock the world. Look what comes out, number one. Man. It's like I want to be so biased for NA, but like it's also like vitality and phase. And I know. I really, I really don't want EG to be number four, but I just know they're going to be because. There's just so many question marks. Mm. But see, if I didn't just make that crazy prediction that I might be able to beat Astralis, I would have said Liquid and EG 1 and 2. So okay, you can't, you can't go there. too crazy on, on yeah, every so, prediction. So Liquid 1, I'll go Phase 2, Vitality 3, EG 4. What the what? fuck is this? <laughs> oh, no. What the fuck okay, is Pernogo, this? Okay, what's, Pernogo, what's yours? So I think Phase number 1. Okay. And it doesn't even matter which NA team is number two and Vitality number three. I don't think they actually what? gel immediately. I think they will take some time to warm up. That's, that's my bold that's my, prediction. I think that's that my, this is online. This is best of one. And this is like first time English speaking roster. I guess it's not really first time for some of these players, but you, you get the idea. It's like first time as a team, as this five man unit, it's their debut. They got a lot of factors riding against them okay. if you're looking for consistency, right? And so that's I'll my main thing. That's my main argument against Vitality. Yeah. I'll say this, I wouldn't put Liquid number one if it was BO3s probably, but because it's BO1s, I'm going to have a bit more faith in actually making that prediction. Okay. okay. And then yeah, I'll put Liquid 2 and EG4, yeah. just to yeah. finish. So I have, and I have phase over Vitality, okay, 
I have phase over vitality because I do think vitality will have a bit of growing pains compared to phase. Yeah. Where I think yeah, for phase, fair. it's a lot easier. Rops yeah. is just slot in for Olaf. Yes. That's like a direct upgrade. And so I, I was going to make the same point. Yeah, I was going to make the same point that uh, that on paper, even even as the man that sips the most Rops haterade, I definitely I can't really see FaZe like bombing out of this. Like it would be stretched to say even that they would come third, knowing what we know about this. But I will I will <laughs> I will still say they come third. I'd say Vitality is going to win it. I say that EG is going to come second, phase third, liquid fourth. And the reason mm. I say this is because I've been talking to Nico a lot lately. Because uh, we, because at the at Relog at at the uh, Fun Spark event, we were in the room next to them, and Nico and Hunter would come over to our room all the time to just talk with Kasad and me. And Nico said when he scrimmed them all, he said this is what he said about the teams. Like he said, he's like, yeah, Vitality and Phase are good, but he was like, Kasad was kind of like surely like eg are like going to be last in this group right and then nico's like no like automatic is playing well right now automatic is playing well which oh, was shit, like he's getting he's getting the floppy buff yeah he's getting a big buff right there and then he even said this about liquid he's like mm, liquid i mean the only guy that shot back was the leash so i don't know i don't know if eg is gonna is i mean i mean liquid i don't know if liquid are really hidden right now this is, listen, hot, this is hot info straight from the bread's mouth itself this is pretty intense listen yeah, you know that i can only rate oc solo so i can't put him number four unfortunately and put eg number one <laughs> so that i'm gonna have to stick with oc as number one but i am interested to see how eg does i there's something just it's just like the na fanboy in me and also just the fact that like automatics back and i'm i just want to see yeah. like these players all play together still with like like they're probably yeah. the most interesting team for me to watch just yeah. from like a pure like yes. bias standpoint Yes, Same. I want to see like, EG more why, than any why team. Why this team now? Like they <laughs> they had this team after they won a world championship, and they decided it's not good enough. And then two years later, after or how many years later? Forward now, it's kind of crazy. Like we we put together a team uh, that after automatics been playing a completely different game. Rush hasn't really been doing a whole lot lately. I mean, it just feels like surely it's not going <sighs> to be that good like, i am pissed it's not valde i'm so if pissed there's one Valde. thing we've learned over the years is that scrim results obviously correlate to notch oh, results yeah. and i'll have you know complexity was beating navi in scrims so <laughs> all the complexity obviously yeah, dude, if we're doing this with eg when they were still an extra salt <laughs> true actually you now that you do the scrim logic note actually maybe liquid should win this group maybe because they were the worst in scrims. yeah yeah you Okay, okay. I think that's a pretty decent coverage of it. Um honestly, okay, let's let's move on to the next topic actually. Let's And also let's you can base one. my entire knowledge of CS just based off my predictions. Of course. That's generally how this stuff works, yeah. honestly. If you if you go one if you go if you get 100% correct, then you're actually like a god. But if you get none of them right, I mean, you could still be like <laughs> That's actually like is hard. That's just as hard actually. Yeah. I feel like being 100% <laughs> correct is like way more lucky than being like 75% correct like <laughs> yeah that's that's pretty accurate actually um, or it means okay, you're radaring keep... obviously come on okay well um, yeah i mean radar from sky eye from sky <laughs> god yeah um, gotta tag it gotta tag it bird from god um okay okay let's move into a little bit of news here uh there's a couple things we have on the agenda so the first is that they moved out calyx from eternal fire and we were kind of Okay, well, like, basically, Calyx is out of Eternal Fire. Not too many people watch too much of Eternal Fire, but, like, from what you guys gathered about this team, like, what what was your guys, like, where, is this fair? Is this fair? Like, did, did somebody need to move? Did somebody need to change? 
I mean, the problem with this team is, you know, they don't actually get along that well, apparently. Like, the rumors behind the, the scenes is they just never really got along too well. And I think, you know, you brought Issa in first. They have this whole project. I mean, Zantara's is in-game leading when they started things off. So immediately, I'm I'm questioning this roster completely. And uh, yeah, I mean, Calyx wasn't playing that well. Um, and I think this team just so inconsistent. Like as soon as they have one little problem or they don't make an event, they completely shift uh, their, their eyes on, on what they want. I think the problem for Eternal Fire is kind of similar to a lot of teams right now. You see them, they, they won't have money or backing to get into these partner teams, these partner leagues. They're always going to have to play through qualifiers, open qualifiers. And, you know, we see them play in these competitions and when they get to an open qualifier for DreamHack Open, ESL Challenger, they run into a team like Fnatic or they run into an Entropic or Fours or something like that and they just lose. Like, they're never going to get a spot at these big events, it feels like. And for a team like Eternal Fire, that is going to be frustrating for these players. You know, Woxic and Issa, uh, and, and obviously at the time, Issa is no longer there, but like Woxic and Satara's two players that are going to want to play at these bigger events and show what they've got. You know, you're going to feel the, the expectation of Turkey as well behind you i think this team is just a pressure cooker you know and the disappointment isn't going to stop anytime soon and i think we're just going to see players just getting cut constantly they're going to look for someone to blame and that's probably just going to be the the story of this eternal fire side i don't think if you're going to try and keep putting this roster together i just don't see them really getting an opportunity to, to make it to the big tournaments or anything i had the same feeling about them like when they first joined like that like both in game and out game that would essentially be like you said like a pressure cooker just Endgame, I just felt like the roles were just like didn't weren't gonna make any sense. Like they just weren't gonna mesh well, even if like people were like committed to, like playing a certain role. Like just based on what I knew about Calix and Xantars and Issa was on the team at the time and just every other player, it's like they were all generally on like a lot of their teams like aggressive playing in the pack, like rotator spots. And so I just I just didn't really see like how their team was actually gonna like mesh out in a way that makes sense. And then like you said, it seems like personality wise they're also not really getting along super well, um, out of game or in game. So just so it's like they don't really have that like com that like I can't think of the word, but you know they don't have like that chemistry together. The the roles itself don't really like line up and make sense within game. And so I just I, yeah I agree with you that like it's probably just gonna be like more of the same for like the next few months. I don't really understand like I don't know where it's gonna stop with with this team or how they're actually going to get the results that they want. Apparently, apparently Calix played this morning actually, and I just looked at their game. And oh yeah, yeah. I didn't notice that. A couple of days ago, yeah, I was looking at it. Oh. Like, I thought I thought I had seen that, and then I saw Calix is still playing. So I was like, I he was know. out. Then he was back in before they even played an official. I knew that player had to be fake with that name. Maui, you know, like Dougie versus it's not a real player. <laughs> sure, it's not a real Dougie. player. He's trolling everybody. <laughs> guy was uh, definitely that guy's their best player on their academy league team. I'll say that the EF Academy. Um, Dougie How does it feel when you hear that name said by like professional commentators that are like some of the best people alive, and they go in Dougie versus? You know, and Dougie, Dougie versus, versus finds what? the triple. Cinco, how would I you mean, say it? Dougie, Dougie versus just hits a, a tr gets a triple kill. 1v3. We need to hear it. So let me, I have to get into the, the mindset. He's right? Inferno, what? post plant. He kills three people and he's playing on default the entire time on the plant spot. And he kills three CTs running in from spawn. All Let's right. get it.
Dougie versus with his clear mentality out of this academy team. Look at this awareness. Look at the positional space. This is unbelievable from Dougie versus. He's taken down three. The best player in the world. Dougie fucking versus. Wow. That's <laughs> it. God. Everyone's that, favorite that's name, of course. That's it right well, there. This is what we need wait, more of. I did, not, I did not realize that the Eternal Fire Academy was not like a troll. I didn't know that was like an actual <laughs> Yeah, why do they actually have a team? I mean, it's still better than yeah. zero, zero prospects. I mean, there it is. That is true. There it is. <laughs> We have to, we have, oh, we have to tag on that one around here, yeah. You're good, Mally, I think. I think yeah, I'm back. I think I'm back. Yeah, I think I'm back. There was, like earlier, but there was like one time I was talking and you were just completely frozen. I was like, I really hope he comes back. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm here. I'm alive. I'm alive. But no, I that was quit after my attempt to cast. <laughs> after, Dougie, after you said Dougie versus was the best player in the world, I did have to take a, take a breather for a second. Reset real quick. No, that's major finals 2025, actually. That's actually it. We'll be um, having the argument why Dougie versus got number two over Nico next year. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's let's do the next one. Uh, this is actually some kind of interesting news that the way that Ents are rounding out their roster is with Modern. Uh, so I actually think that Modern was probably I, I think Modern probably was the best player on FPX for a lot of it, but it was very balanced. Like it was a very balanced performance from that team. I but like I, I didn't just, see them play much. So what roles was he usually playing? Can kind of like pressure lurker, I'd say, was was he like one an of his on things. CT as well. Mm, was he anchor on Obviously. CT? I think Zen was an anchor, and I would have I forgot if it was like Stiko or Modern map to map. Um, it probably changed based on the map, honestly. Then, yeah, could have been. I would have, I would have guessed right now that he was more rotator than Stiko, but yeah. not. I would, I couldn't say for certain on that. I was just curious based on the rules and ends as well. The ends thing well, is you... always like a t they're a team that I still want to succeed. Not, I don't think they can ever succeed on the level that the Alexi ends had, like the all finish ends had. But for me, this is like the perennial like. You know how we always have mouse sports and back in the day before they really ascended to a contender team, but then they kind of sank back down. It was like when they were first starting to gel or like FaZe Clan, but before Nico and Olaf Meister and whoever else came in, Kerrigan was like, I need the best players in the world. And before they had their IAM New York run from like back in 2018, probably. So before they were even contenders to get defeated by Cloud9 and in that epic fashion at the major. And when, you, when we have these international mixes, I think that's really good for the scene because it does fuel the idea it's sort of like you know representation or demonstration that you actually can just come together as a unit and maybe you can't win the major final because no team without the same language has ever done that but you can contend for it. you can get really high you can be top one in the world for a period of time and that's one of the things that i always really liked about this end squad when they started to come up and they were rebranding i kind of like the same thing about mad lions although they've been shifting some players around recently as well so anytime a team like this happens it always tickles my fancy personally i love to see like the how that these sort of teams can actually make a system work without having the luxury of all of the shared history uh, of everybody else the shared culture and that sort of thing so um to that extent i don't think this is I, I don't I don't know how high we all rate Madden here. Uh, I full disclosure just didn't watch that many FPX games, so like I don't know how Same. how solid he really game. was in the last year. But if this if this is an opportunity for him to maybe, uh, you know, not, I, I want to say even redefine his career, but like he he can do some more good basically. I think Madden, no joke, should be the second best player on this roster. Okay, um, I think he's the first Hades. Um, now I might even oh, say no. D Hop. D -ha. D -ha. I might even say D Hop. Uh -huh. I was gonna yeah. say. 
Yeah, I think I think Madden uh, should should bring a good amount. I think the, the one of the storylines for me for this Ents roster is kind of like how close they were to making it work, but then they just kind of collapsed at the major um, in the fashion that they did, and uh, I think that kind of like been struggling since then. Yeah, probably yeah. shook their confidence a bit. Yeah, yeah, that that that. If they would have done any better, I think this could have been a different lineup. Like, I remember, like, what, in the Challenger stage? Or, yeah, where it was like, oh, is Copenhagen Flames going to make it out? Probably not. But then I think more people thought Ents were, were going to make it through than yes. people thought Copenhagen Flames were going to make it through. So that that probably hurt hurt them a lot because the, the expectations should never have been that high for themselves. But it was probably mm-hmm. high enough that they did feel like they failed. For I mean, they, they didn't win, so they failed, yeah. The thing about Ents at that point was as well, uh, that when they were having some good results at the uh, at the RMR, the thing was Snappy was playing unbelievably well individually himself, and I just don't see that happening throughout most of the year, Snappy stepping up. So I think bringing in more firepower uh, in Madden coming through, I have to agree with you, Maui. I think he's going to be uh, probably second best, if not the best player on this team. Um, and I think, you know, for Dodo, Dodo won a couple of good clutches, certainly made some stability in the team, but you know, at the point where Ents were playing their best, Snappy was stepping up, and I don't think that's going to happen. So you have to add some more firepower in, and I'm glad Madden got a shot, because I think he's one of those players with with all these high-profile um, free agents out there. Madden kind of went under a lot of people's radar, because like Pernoga, a lot of people didn't watch the the FPX games, because yeah. those guys barely were at many big events. So it's like, he's one of the players that has a lot of talent, and could have went under the radar and went missing for a long time. So I think he's actually going to do some good stuff in the sense team, and they've done a really good job at just putting together uh, a lot of interesting plays you know Spinks he was a player everybody was getting hyped about and actually performs pretty well and the most important thing for me is that the culture of this team was the biggest question mark I had but these guys all get along super well and they're from entirely different cultures and that could definitely be a problem for the future because I remember speaking to Natu about this Ents team and he, he said that actually Spinks one day there's a whole religious day in uh, in uh, Israel where they're going to turn off all of the electrics and no one uses the electric. And they were basically had like an important pro league game or something. And uh, they had to fly Spinks to, to Finland because power was just going to cut out. So um, there's a lot of problems uh, for the Ents team in terms of culture. And they've done a really good job at like making this team work. But I think Madden just makes it better um, removing Dodo. Uh, it is just going to make this team actually pretty exciting to look at for the long term. I was yeah. leaving that for you, Note, but I don't know if you wanted to take the interception here. <laughs> I mean, I hadn't watched enough FPX to really make like an informed comment on on Madden's form at all. So I think for me, really just seeing more rosters, like more new rosters come in this year is just exciting in general. Like any team that makes changes with the number of teams that have come in and sort of upgraded their roster is uh, is just exciting in general. I think one of the things about the... You're to get fired over here, apparently. <laughs> one of the Martin things in. about the Ents version of this, like the Ents side of it, right, is I don't actually know if they... Like, I agree that... So, Dinko, you made the point that Snappy was popping off in some of their successful games, and that's something that you can't expect to happen all the time. And I think if you're looking for consistency, I'm not sure what Dodo brought to the table in terms of comms or team spirit or anything that, like those intangibles that can influence consistency for your stars. For me, I think I would really like to see Hades accept the call to action at this point. He's been on the roster for long enough to gel with the system that Snappy envisions. And obviously Spinks stole some of the limelight initially with the, you know, taking the limelight away from some of the other players that maybe were going to be fraggers. But at this point, we know that the, the meta is kind of solidified after the Valve's latest meddling. And we know that you'd still need the top opper, like the opper needs to be a really high skilled player in your team. So 
I think Hades has the skill. It's a question of consistency, right? So he's he's been hot or not a few times. And I think once he gets gets his system going, be that on this team or some other team in the future, if it takes a while for him to really level himself up, assuming he makes it at all, I guess, but I'm, I'm voting for him and rooting for him. And I am backing him to eventually get up there. The question really is whether or not he does it in a fast enough time and whether or not this Madden move helps them because maybe they can just achieve that level of consistency and then they can go. And I, I think that, again, I don't, expect that they'll get to the like, top two in the world the way that the old ends camp did. But this should still be a return to consistency for the team, I think. Assuming what you guys said about Madden is correct, where he was a, you know, a standout player on FPX. It's kind of a shame that like FPX by all uh, metrics was supposed to be a higher level team in terms of what they could do than the ends team. But I watched way more ends than FPX just because like Dinko said, the FPX were barely in any tournaments. Okay, okay. I think we wrap that one up pretty well. Um... So we have some patron, we have a patron question or some, and then we have, and then we usually take a a couple sub questions. We're going to change this a little bit because it seems we're just, we're just going to change it. We're just going to change it. We're not going to explain our reasons as to why, but we'll just take two of the best sub questions from chat. We're just going to do two of those as opposed to like five, which we did before. So you know, get on the if you want your question answered and you miss the show timing, make sure you get on Patreon. Make sure you get on Patreon. I don't shout out the Patreon enough, honestly. So make sure you guys get on there and uh, you know, I think it's just a five dollar minimum and you can have a question. So yeah, just 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 do that. Also, the thing is that's better about Patreon versus subbing is that it's it's also like we get more of the cut of it versus if you do a five dollar sub on on Twitch, like we I only get like two fifty. You know, just think about it like that. Mm. Just think do you want to give like- money to Jeff Bezos so he can go on another trip to space, or do you want to give some money to Maui so we can actually eat? You know, this is an easy, easy solution for you guys. Let's get let's make sure we can pay everybody's bills here. So every it, the patron money, you know, everybody everybody gets to eat. Everybody except the guest, except the guest doesn't get to eat. <laughs> We, yeah. you just got to expense that and, yeah, you know, we we'll just, get back uh, to you in six months. We just you. Voice. Yeah. <laughs> okay. If you don't have uh, American taxes, then I just can't pay you. Sorry. Okay. That's hey, how it is. Thanks for coming on though, Dinko. Really sick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we appreciate thank your you, presence. Thank you. <laughs> um, okay. Okay. So we'll do, we'll start with the question of the week. Okay. So we'll pop that one up there first, Pernogo. And then the, the Patreon, I'll t- I'll type the Patreon after I ask the question of the week. The question of the week is more or less, if I remember correctly what I wrote, it's just that what do we wish pros did more of on social media or whatever really to like boost their brands for us? Like what 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 things would we want to see from them? So so let's do this. Let's do uh Pernogo, who do you, what do you want more from pros? What do you want more? So Complexity has been releasing these very short videos on Twitter where they have like they had one where JT finally made it with his visa and it was like the eagle has landed and they had like some eagle emoji and it's like yeah and hey but then the video is him saying hey guys it's me JT I've arrived at the boot camp and I know that they probably just wanted a real quick update and he obviously is like a business guy right he's he's in there for the business he's not here to make videos he's here to pop heads as a, a fragging IGL as Mix would say right so under those circumstances I understand why he's you know maybe a little bit more tepid in the camera personality department, but it would be nice 
to get all of the players on for these, especially if the orgs can sort of organize that and that can be part of like, you're on the under the complexity banner now. I, I just feel like for, I mean, I'm singling out complexity because that's what's in my mind, but there's loads of teams that would benefit from this, especially if you don't really have a lot of crossover with the English audience. I think like a team like Entropic would be great to get some insight into the players, even if you need to run it through a translator or something, there's going to be some enthusiasts who will do that, right? I want to know what's going on in Elian's head when he's doing some of these plays. Like, I just want more shoulder content that is actually sourced from the teams or someone close to the teams themselves, because it's one thing to get it on the broadcast, but in downtime like this, which I guess admittedly isn't that often, but we don't have too many tier one tournaments, uh, or they are a little bit more spaced apart, it makes a lot of sense to keep, you know, engaging with the fans as it were. I, we, we use all these weird terms now, but just sending out messages to the fans be like, hey, check us out. We're doing this right now. And here's like a team bonding exercise. It can be totally out of the game. It can be totally unrelated to CS. But, you know, bonus points of obviously it is. So that's what I would say. I would, I'd like more bombastic stuff along the lines of what Complexity is doing, but like maybe they record a quick skit where like, you know, they, they have like a CGI helicopter, very high quality animation happening where JT steps off and <laughs> Mr. President, get down or something. Just do something. Give me something. I need something <laughs> okay. exciting in my life. I, I mean, Complexity is already exciting, but more exciting. Give me more. That's what I say. Okay. Okay. Dinko, what what do you want more from from pros? I think I think the onus isn't really on the on the pros itself. Like th those guys, just they're there to play the game, right? I think it's on to to people like the broadcast, uh, the tos, the the organizations to really do this, like and help the players because I mean the players don't actually go into this to be media personalities. They go into it to be professional Counter-Strike players first and foremost, but they are stepping into the entertainment industry. So it really is on to the people who contract the players and would benefit from building their uh, building their profiles. But what I would love to see is though those sort of one-on-one -on -one sit down um, conversations to, to players that we don't really see too often. I think that's the content I really enjoy the most is like when it's just a one-on-one -on -one long form conversation where it's casual and you get the most out of it, as long as the interviewer is actually trusted. Like there's such, I think Sadikis did really good interviews recently where he sits down with, uh, you know, twists and stuff. And you, you can tell they just get far better answers when they're actually very comfortable with, with the interviewer. And I, I don't think the content that a lot of orgs do, like I think Complexity ran a really good behind the scenes content um, piece on YouTube very regular and people didn't watch it. They just don't care for some reason. Um, so that's a problem. And Wait, you mean I, like I their document, their documentary yeah, series? Yeah, their documentary. How, Dude, I watched low. every single one of those. Yeah, they yeah, but so I, I don't think it was like promoted that well because like a lot of people didn't even really the, the viewership was kind of low. But yeah. Team Liquid's one is very good because what people want is to feel part of the the group and part of the the so whole scene. And if you're only seeing them play on the screen, they come off the stage, then they're not really humans to you. But if you get a little like uh, a peek behind what are Team Liquid doing in their facility this week, and you get to see oh they're going they're messing around, you get to see the personalities, how the teams gel. That's just for me is the most interesting is like how how is the actual team atmosphere, how are things going there? Because it makes you feel like you're actually part of it on screen and off screen. Like there's there's more things to available there. So I would love to just see pros be comfortable with cameras following them around uh, in their practice facilities. And obviously that's uh, going to be easier for the big orcs, but it would be cool to see more of that, I guess, just like behind the scenes, following around the teams and seeing what they're up to. Yeah, I was going to say like... Oh, okay. Take it.
Yeah, I was, I was similarly like, along those lines, like what you said about Team Liquid, like those those type of docu- those type of, like documentary things. Almost like I don't know if you watched like the uh, the McLaren unbox videos for F one, but like uh, literally. So so if Liquid, sorry, no. mute. No, no, is it? Is it? Okay. I was just spamming. I muted, said nothing. So. Don't worry. Okay. But, um, okay. I was gonna say, so like, with, even with Liquid, it's like they, or like with with C nine, we did that kind of thing of like C nine, but there wasn't like a lot of like content of just people. The content I think that is engageable and enjoyable is when it's just people, you know, behind the scenes, just acting casually together, like you know, nothing crazy going on. I feel like like the one to one interviews are like showing highlights of like games isn't really that interesting. Like I don't need to see like frag highlights of, you know, Liquid at ESL Liquid. Like I already watched the games. Like it's it's not that interesting. Yeah, I, not agree. Really I agree. I agree with that. Yeah. So it's like just content of just like 16 minutes, just having a dude, you know, follow follow you around, just like filming all the time, just like random stuff, you know, you're just going out to dinner, you're just going for a walk outside, like you're just setting up at like a thing and just like just like behind the scenes content, just seeing them, you know, just do their thing. You kind of edit out like just an overall like little bit of a story for like the whole thing. And it's just all just like you're seeing personality that you don't usually see. And eventually, I think, you know, you're just kind of like a fly on the wall, basically. And that's like what the content is. You're just a fly on the wall for like whatever event they're at, whatever boot camp they're at. So that would be my serious answer. If you want like a dumb answer, I would say uh, I want players giving <laughs> wrestling style promos. <laughs> is that really dumb though? That sounds epic. Yeah, I'm going to just kind of pick it up because I kind of actually would. Uh, I, I kind of my dumb answer is just I want players that should talk more. My, my real answer is that I want... Um, I, I kind of actually similarly would want something like what Mick said is that, for example, like when Floppy went to Serbia by himself and was just kind of stranded there, like it would so be funny. cool if it'd be cool if there was like a cameraman with him to just kind of like like it doesn't all have to be like highs, you know, it could actually show a little bit of the adversity that Floppy faced where it's like, yeah, Floppy here flying from Oregon Dude, all the way to Serbia. Just, if they had just sent me to fucking Serbia in the first place. I would have yeah. gotten. I could have gone there with a fucking camera, and I would have had the best content, just filming Ricky all the time. Yeah, <laughs> like so that's, just, you're just sitting there eating McDonald's, and I'm like in the corner, just like fucking <laughs> like zooming in. <laughs> Little yeah, things like I that mean, to just humanize people. I think yeah. is just, it just goes such a long way, like humanizing players as because it. Because unlike real sports where we get to like see a person's style based off of yeah. every little action that they take, in Counter-Strike, it's a little bit harder to really get like a feel for someone's yeah. body language day, it's, or personality. It's, it's different from like real sports, right? Because like in real sports, you're using like your physical body to do all these like different yes. types of things. Yeah. And in eSports, like at the end of the day, all it, it's, all it is and all it's ever going to look like is sitting at your computer, moving the mouse and the keyboard. Like that's, that's just yeah. how it is. Yeah. So you need to do things to actually humanize these people and actually understand them mm-hmm. like more as people just like their personality and stuff it just makes you more interested in watching them and like you know following them right. and just you know you're just more invested naturally yeah i yeah, think ufc I mean, is probably the best for that um to take inspiration for esports i think it's actually pretty doable as well like they have the, the the vlog series they do just before the main event and they head out and they film like uh they interview the the fighters in terms of what they're doing at their practice facility they show you know where they grow up they show where they work where the team they they practice with like get to know what their preparation looks like rather than just seeing the end product actually understand like 
the struggles of what they go through, like say they're having to say goodbye to the family again and like the North American players, for example, like everybody would feel so much more empathy towards the North American players if you understood this is what they're leaving behind every single time they go to play in Serbia for months in a completely different culture. And it just, it I think just understanding um, that would be really easy. And it probably wouldn't be that expensive. I mean, what, what is it really? Like a flight, a camera, and then paying a good editor to put it together. Like, yeah. it's not, you can't, not really that you, bad, maybe. Like, like, for some of these, you probably don't even need, like, an actual cameraman. Like, just get them, like, a decent camera and just film, like, random shit, and you'll have, like, an editor, an actual editor put yeah. together. So, like, just film hours worth of random shit. I don't know. I want to hear notes, notes take. I mean, I, I've said this for quite a while, but I think that just general, like, like extraneous content in esports is so unexplored and so, like... There's so much more potential for the amount of different types of content you could possibly produce, whether it be like from a team or the player themselves. Now you see like a couple more players sort of delving into it themselves. You have Sticko doing his own YouTube series and Kerrigan doing the voice comms and whatnot. But even on top of that, there's just potential for so much more to be added. Um, to be fair, like I'm not a huge fan of Kerrigan's vlogs. I will say I find those uh, are tend to be like a little bit. Uh, slower um but i just think that there's so much that orgs could do to expand on that on top of everything like you guys were saying even if you had somebody with a camera sitting behind players for scrims or their matches the the potential to sort of add like a picture in picture sort of deal where you have the players playing the match and then you have the actual camera behind the player where they're actually like you can hear their comps through the camera. They're they're actually have the same perspectives linked up. I think uh, Cold Zero used to do this actually, mm-hmm. uh, not with like the in-game part of it, but he used to have like a camera behind him uh, when he was playing in matches, and that was really cool. That was sick content, I would say. But on top of that, you can have a lot of these teams already have managers or coaches or people who know them well enough with videographers that are already on site uh even when i was at blast fall like four or five of the teams that were walking around all had permanent camera people like they were all recording some form of vlog content but half the time i didn't even see that pop up anywhere like i would have to go out of my way to look for it because i knew they were recording it because i saw them recording it in person i feel like a lot of this doesn't get promoted well enough Mm. um also People say that they want this content, but then when hard work actually goes into producing it, it just never gets the same traction. Um, the Liquid Liquid did a whole like documentary on the the roster they just had with uh, Stewie from when he joined. Um, yeah, I watched and that, that documentary series was really good. Like it was a, something like a thirty minute video or. Something like that. Yeah, and pretty in depth. Yeah, went through all the highs and yeah, lows. Exactly, but the the fact is that they also had like the the one up production team had uh, the proper mindset going into that in terms of how they were going to record it. Uh, they were ready to ask the players questions about specific things. I think there's so much more that you could do around that with um, with all of these teams also being in boot camp environments like there's what's stopping these teams from having a sit down with a player asking them like five six questions uh adding gameplay to that adding like a storyline to whatever is happening in that match and splicing that together 
or an event. Like even if you go out in last place, there's so much that you can do around that that it's just so vastly unexplored for a lot of this. Like if you think Furia can't make that same sort of content caption it in English, like the amount of views that they would get on something like that would be immense. So mm-hmm. I think there's there's so much more that can be added along I with fucking, what you guys have said. My absolute fucking favorite thing is just seeing like the raw emotion from like someone after they lose. And I just mm-hmm. feel like we don't get nearly enough of that. And then, you know, like sometimes orgs will like try to do like loser interviews and prayers like, why don't I do an interview right after I lose? And it's like, that's, that's like the whole fucking point of this thing. Like, this, yeah. yes, it is. <laughs> like, what are you talking yeah. about? Have you ever watched <laughs> sports? Question mark. You know, <laughs> there was, um, there was one videographer, uh, for big, uh, his name is Johannes and he used to travel around with, with a big team. I think like 2019 around that time. Every event he would go to, you know, he would put together an incredible piece of content after. But it was always the same story. Like, Big would play two games and then go out after losing two best of threes. And it's like, Big didn't really want to do that anymore. Like, they didn't want that content just to be coming out all the time. It's just like, oh, here, Big, flying to another event, and they're out again, you know? So I think there's like, there there is problems that come with that as well. But the most important thing, and something that I think we don't do enough, is really uh, create content around teams that people don't know so much about like uh, we don't know really anything about perfecto like for example like players little details about that like who who even knows what perfecto's personality is like and simple calls him a genius and we don't know anything about him like there's there's lots of details here that we just don't even know anything about most of the players never mind the team so we need to just figure out a way to discover um more about these players like no one knew who your kindar was coming into last year and he forced his way to do content like you have to want to do it he did it at I the major. Him. Yeah, he, yeah, with <laughs> no, you obviously, but even at the major, he wanted to sit and do the content with James. He wanted to stick around. He wanted to play in the show match because he understands that you know if you're a player that people actually know about, yeah, um, you you get far more brand deals. You are liked by the community. This is something players that they should do more is actually want to do content because you can create all the content, but if you're not even in, up for the interviews or whatever, then that's a problem. But we need to know more about every player. Once we know that, it compels people to watch the content. You can't get people to go and watch the content if they don't know who who anybody is other than, okay, this guy hits headshots in the game, right? You want to, we have to know a little bit about them before it really entices people to want more of them. Yes, yes. All right, let's 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 wrap this one up. Um, Pranoga, do you have the Patreon question ready? Yes, I do. Before I okay, switch you- to that, can I just say, Boomich, please sing another Christmas song? <laughs> Please. Wouldn't mind that. I actually think Gambit released a thing where it's like they all they all had to guess songs, and that oh, was okay. good. But I need a, I I think a music video would be would be great on top of that. He's know? just got so. a great voice. Clearly, Boo- that's wait, true. Wait, we actually have we have two C- CS people doing good voices. You know, whatever you think about vocals, right? Carlos with his G two music video. And Boomich with the last Christmas QB fire. Let's get him a, a Carlos feet Boomich. You know, a little, little. Uh, I don't know something. I'm not, to be clear, I'm not leaking that Boomich has been get sold to G2. Just saying, that would be a pretty big downgrade. That would be uh, your that'd... second your second leak of this podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, could you could you read the the Patreon question? I, I don't have it. In front I of me. sure can. It is now on stream. So it says Adam asks, what advantages did Xtaz bring to Vitality that Zonic might not be able to replicate? He's French. Oh. That's, a, that's, that's, a, true. that's an advantage for I don't Zonic. think Zonic will ever be able to replicate that. <laughs> uh, that's a good question. Let me... I, 
Hold on, let me see. Let me see. Let me look at something. I've got an immediate take, which is that I don't think like Zonic obviously has a lot of pedigree as a coach, but I don't know if he's ever been responsible for subbing players out. I know he was responsible in in least in part for denying config back in the day. Wait, um, what do you mean by subbing players out? Well, obviously, Ekstaz had the poll, at least according to all of the stories that people have heard publicly. That Ekstaz was the one to say, Apex, you need to take a break. Now, I think he kind of got overruled. Zonic did too, though. He put, like, Zipnix on notice. Zipnix almost got benched, like, a few years ago. Um, There was another player. I think Dupree also was put on notice at some point. So Zonic's definitely done it. He's just, he's never actually had to follow through because the player's improved. Okay, sure. Um, I'll say something that... I don't like this chatter said it's like, like Sonic is overrated, but like one thing that XX does have an advantage over is that he already has experience with, uh, you know, starting the Vitality team with Alex and then having that as like his original IGL and then having to transfer that to Apex. Yes. So he didn't just, yeah. so, so he didn't just have like, yeah, so he didn't just have like five years of Glaive, which is, you know, obviously Zonic still has to play a big part in them being that fucking good for that long, but still, that's still a very big advantage to have to have Glaive that entire time. So just the fact that X has already proved to, like, A, himself, and just, like, you know, the players on, just the general community and everyone around him, right, that he was able to successfully transition a team from, you know, Alex suddenly leaving right then could have plumstered fucking Vitality into, like, some, like, real bad slump, like, if they weren't able to successfully transition over to Apex Calling, and I'm sure X has played a big part in that in some way, so the fact that he's already been able to do that, it's just, it just helps your pedigree as a coach, it just helps, you know, your own confidence with having to you know, transition things like that and just overall like adapt, I guess. He's already had to like adapt in that way. Whereas like Zonic has had a pretty consistent way of a pretty consistent uh IGL to fall back on. Yeah, I think the the fact that he's raised up now uh, a guy that really I don't think even still to this day gets a lot of credit for being a great IGL, but but he is. He's proven that he is 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 exceptional. Um so Alex left the team like went inactive in March of 2020. It took 3 months before Vitality topped their group at Blast. They came second place at the Euro the Blast Spring European Finals. They came second place at CS Summit 6 Europe. They came second place at ESL Cologne. And this is all within five months, basically, of Alex leaving. Like The, the results they got that quickly with, with a guy that's never even been seen as like a cerebral player now being the IGL is insane. Like That, that, that is like... That's probably Xtaz's biggest achievement as a coach is the way that he was able to keep that roster afloat without a true IGL at the helm. Um, but now I would say that Apex is a very good IGL, but it, but it's not it's not just Apex that did it. It's definitely I would have to assume Xtaz was a massive massive contributor. I think also Zonic. We haven't actually, if you look back in CS:GO, hasn't played without a top tier in-game leader, right? It's like you had Carrigan and then you had Glaive. And so they're two very, very talented in-game leaders, two of the best we got. So um, I think Xtaz is have more recency in terms of having to to start fresh in, in this new meta of CSGO, like over the few years. And it seems like he's really good at, you know, personality, like managing personalities. And this is an, also an issue with, you know, what we know about the coaches. It's a lot of speculation because we actually don't know too much about what the coaches actually do because we don't have that content to see what they're doing behind the scenes. But, you know, from listening to the interview uh, Striker gave today with Alexi B., um, he was saying, you know, 
Alexi was saying the X-Test is coming in with a very pragmatic attitude saying, you know, I'm not going to make any changes straight away because I need to know every player, how they are, their personalities, how they approach the game. It seems like he's learned a lot in terms of having to make those transitions um, from, you know, uh, someone who is uh, an entry fragger into a tactical in-game leader. You know, these are big changes and you can learn a lot from from dealing with lots of new young players. You have to get them up to speed very quickly. I think that's something that Xtas has got really down pat at the moment. You know, it's a very recency uh, bias kind of thing where he's very used to, to getting those players up to the level of the top tier as quickly as possible. Now, obviously, it's still hard with Kyojin, but, you know, going into a team like G2, for example, he's already starting to have a pragmatic approach there. I think just the, the recency of having to make big changes is something X-Taz is going to have uh, over Zonic. I think Zonic now has to go through a huge change for his own, and we don't know how he's going to be able to do it, but he hasn't had to uh, for years, uh, whereas X-Taz has had to deal with big changes recently. Okay, I think we could just wrap up the show, unless someone else has a point on this. Yeah, we did get good. a single uh, Twitch sub question, uh, but oh. it was super far uh, back, and it was it was about the the enormous cloud hanging over esports now. So I don't know if you even want uh, to talk yeah. about it. Um, considering the time that we were at, mm, that was one question. That, that is a, that is a good question. That That's was a question. Let's see. Oh wait, no, we got another question. We got another sub question actually. Uh, just go. now. Save. Just now. Let's, I, let's I, use I that one. To say, I don't know what to say about the other one other than it's bad. <laughs> that's okay. That's your that's your that's your take on it. We got another question. We got another question. <laughs> then we don't have to have takes on it. Okay. Maybe not. K. What would you say? Oh, I, I'll say this. I'll say this. I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about that. I'm sure on the next snake and banter. I don't know what I'm gonna say yet, so I'm not gonna say anything now. Um, that's that, that's my yeah. take. That's just yeah. I haven't, I haven't put enough do. thought into this. Or yeah, I think we leave it for next time for this show at least. Yeah. Okay, maybe not. K though says as a sub, what would you say is the most underrated quality for an IGL? I want to give this to Mix. Mix, what do you think the most underrated quality for oh, IGL? Man, is? you just let me know. Um, <laughs> having only I'll two letters in this. your name. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is that is a good one. JT. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think of like an actual good answer. Someone else go. Okay, uh, commanding respect. I think that's the most important okay. thing because, like, you have a really good tactical in game leaders that really know what they're talking about. But if you can't get people to be on board with you and respect your calls or your decisions or actually allow you to lead them, then it's not going to work at all, right? So I think you have to have some sort of charisma or some sort of uh, personality trait that allows people to want to trust you and believe in you and respect you. Because if they walk over the top of you, they call over you, you just lose control of the team immediately. And there's a lot of IGLs like that. So I think the good ones, they command respect and are leader of men. I'll, and I'll build so that. I'll build off that. I'll build off that. Sorry to kind of cut that one. But I, I also, I, I actually, when I talked to Nico recently about Alexi B, he didn't like spill too many details about it, but it was before, like they were practicing for a while with him. And immediately, like the first thing that he said that he liked was that he's a good captain. Like he's, he's taking, he is taking charge. So that just, I mean, that's just builds on your point, Dinko. I think that's something that players care about. They want a guy that they can look up to in the server. That's going to take charge when needs, when it needs to be done. Yeah. Not just, uh, sorry a lot of players they just suggest what they want to do instead of actually calling what you should do they suggest like oh we could do this just, just call for the team just like say what we're doing and if it doesn't work well at least you knew you had a clear plan instead of starting to suggest because that's when you just are off the off paper completely with the rest of your team I'll i don't say, have like a 
straightforward thing for mine, but I would say that like being dynamic in terms of when you know to relinquish the reins and when to take full control as to like having other players also make calls and sort of mid round a bit. For example, like a lot of teams have secondary colors and knowing when to overrule that uh, or to uh, concede a little bit of control in terms of what you want to do in the round is also really important. And sort of that's that defines a lot of the way that uh, certain teams end up playing with their secondary colors in their teams. So I think Alexi B, for example, has already said that like Nico and Hunter don't need much... Uh, like they don't they can have sort of freedom they don't need much micromanaging mm-hmm. and with that like to me that also makes it sound as if i actually haven't uh, listened to the interview yet but to me that sounds just by the quote that he's also like willing to to hear out their calls mid-round a little bit and sort of adapt off them and being able to do that gives just more dynamic fluidity to the team and i think that's really important in terms of overall style I was going to say, I think actually like the most important thing, so it's something like isn't like talked about enough. And like what I say, like you said, the most underrated quality and something I think you desperately, absolutely need is like the ability to be a leader. Like you said, like be a captain, be an IGL, be a leader, but not blame people. And it's so easy when you are having to be in charge of these people and you're having to call for them and like control them that like, you know, when someone kind of fucks something up, you're you're like kind of irritated or angry about it. And you're like, you know, I told you, like, we got to do this instead of this or something. Right. You know, you're like, in a way, you're you're directly blaming them for like making a mistake. Right. And so something that like someone like JT is like fucking phenomenal at, like, I've, I feel like I've never heard him blame a single person for anything. It's just that like. You just accept that, like, yeah, a person fucked up, a person makes mistakes, you're able to accept that, you know, that's going to happen. And if you want your vision to truly, like, come together, and you actually want, you know, things to work out in the long term, you need to be able to not, like, just blame people for that, especially mid-game. That's something that, like, maybe, like, I think at times maybe Stu will kind of, like, struggle with, for example, is, like, he had the theme with, like, Fallen, where he was, like, kind of blaming in mid-game, and it's, like, yeah, like, you have, like, a point, like, what you're saying is, like, correct, that like fallen fucked this up or like you know this person fucked this up but it's like you're not actually gaining anything by like harping on them both in game and like even like out of game you know it's like you if you like go and blame people too much you are gonna like kind of lose they're gonna lose confidence in themselves they're gonna like start overthinking things and so if you can like relinquish that and you can just say yeah mistakes are gonna happen people are gonna fuck up and you don't like overthink it you're just like yeah i said to do this instead of this but it's fine it's whatever you know it's you know and then, you know, you just move on and you just keep going. You're not, like, you're just focusing on the mistakes that people make and then trying to fix them. You're not, like, blaming people for not executing, like, well enough. That's, uh, that's one of the one of the pretty key components in Bill Walsh's book. So, um, yeah, just, like, uh, what he said, like, the one of the things that is just, I forgot the exact quote, but something like the best, one of the things with the lo- best return on investment is just uh, positivity and just, mm-hmm. you know, throwing out that's how I look at it. Yeah. like yeah even if like you're right i just feel like you don't actually get anything out of just like blaming someone for something you know it's for me it's just about what actually like how do people receive information best and like how do you know how does it naturally just build up and to me that's just the most optimal way of doing things and so if maybe stewie could see it like kind of like that way that like yeah like you're right but it just doesn't there's no point like you're not actually gaining anything from it yeah you just have to focus on what's the, like the most optimal way to actually get what you want and most of the time, that's not going to be blaming someone. Pretty solid, yeah. 
I just, I'll quickly say that uh, Dinko basically took the point that I was going to make, which was about leading men and being able to rally the troops and have some sort of leadership quality where you have the player buy-in. I would additionally add on to that, that generally having life experience beyond outside of esports to give you a better perspective on things, and that also just generally comes with age, uh, is really going to be an asset because most of the players, especially the star fraggers that you have, probably not going to be too old, probably not going to be too experienced. And even if they're, you know, in their 20s, mentally, they're probably not the same as their age on their birth certificate. You know what I mean? Like you're at this point, you're dealing with something that, you know, these people are just they've all in straight on for a lot of this stuff. They've all in on, on gaming. And that's not something where you get a lot of life experience. So that sort of informs how well you lead men, in my opinion. But that would be the thing that I would say is like big ups to anybody who has that life experience. It's going to be a huge advantage for them because they won't have to, you know, maybe they won't blame people as much because they've worked, you know, real life jobs and they know how to solve those problems without going into that, right? To, to mix this point. And, you know, I think it's kind of a cheating answer because if you just say get more experience forehead, then, you know, okay, well, <laughs> it's not very useful, but you, you got to wait it out. Uh, still, I think that's probably the... Um, I wouldn't, I don't know if it's the most underrated, but I would say it's an underrated thing. Cause a lot of people will say, oh, the star IGL from, you know, the Academy team, he's looking kind of cool. Or maybe they, they don't say Academy team specifically, but they might pick, you know, pick a fragging IGL or they might pick an IGL who with less time on the block. But there's a reason why I always put Glavin and uh, Kerrigan over a lot of the, any newcomer IGLs, just cause they have the experience and they can lead men. So. All right, let's do, let's do shout outs. Let's close this one out. Um, as you may know, Dinko, we do shout outs at the end of every single podcast. You can shout out any single thing you want. So, yeah, the, the floor is yours. You want to shout out a project you're working on, anything, whatever, whatever it is. I have to think. Um, yeah, I guess I'll shout out Holka, you man. You know, okay. he's, he's put out a new YouTube video today. It's the first thing I can think of. I watched it before the show, so... I think he's got some more interesting stuff planned and since i don't really do the content side of things you guys can go check his youtube channel out i think maui's in the most recent video so yeah you get more of maui i like it i like it because i'm in it um okay uh mix what's your what's your shout out <laughs> uh shout out to the jacksonville jaguars for just fucking this coaching shirts um random NFL love that reference. love <laughs> that okay all right no no what's yours uh, I'll shout out Party Astronauts. They just put out a, a GoFundMe to boot camp in Europe. So uh, they're playing in EPL later this year. So if uh, if you have the extra money, help them go pay for a little boot camp before they have to play in that event. It's four out of five of the players' first time in Europe or something. So wow. they, they could definitely use that experience. Do they know where they're going yet? No, they need the money to boot camp in the first place. Oh, okay. So, so the more they're, money they're we give, to... the, the more first world the country. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Jesus. It's like we have these like tier bonuses, you know, certain donation, they get to coach like... Dono goals. The Dono goals yeah, are like, like third world. France goals. <laughs> tier one goal is just like in the, what? Colo I don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to give a I, I think it's because uh, ESL pays for the boot camp for when the event is happening, like a day or two before to when the event ends. But they want a boot camp before that so that they actually get some practice time in. Uh, so that's what the whole setup is for. Cool. Okay. Only I was okay. Rich. That's a cool one. That's a Thanks. cool one. Uh, Pranogo, what's your what's your shout out? 
I'll uh, shout out Dinko for doing some casting mid mid show. That was pretty cool. <laughs> and for a, a, that was a, great for was a, the enduring part. the uh, the the epic nature of this talk show. Congratulations, man! I hope you survived your hazing. Yeah, it was great well, fun. And then I really uh, enjoyed it. I got an extra shout out to Seven Spud because you specifically requested one, so I have to. He's not even a sub, dude. He's not even a patron. Not even a <laughs> sub. Not even a patron. <laughs> supporting. Retract your right. shout out. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> you get uh, one free shout out, Seven Spud. But and, if I don't uh, see that badge, <laughs> you're done. I had another shout out, but I already forgot it because I have severe ADHD. So we'll we only yeah. shout out uh, patrons from this point forward. Uh, <laughs> so. yeah. Well, hopefully, if you donate to the party astronauts, you get enough money to pay Johnsy's return flight. So he doesn't run into the problem we had the last time. Oh my god! Yeah. True. Um, I'll do qu- two quick shout-outs. I'll do one is the Niners special teams, and the second <laughs> one is Desby Frag for making me laugh at chat a couple times today. So Desby Frag, you get my shout-out because oh, you're sorry. Funny. My my see he's subbed now. Let's fucking go. <laughs> he's subbed. Shout out to Ethereal for giving it. a sub to Seven Spud. Sorry, shout my out other shout-out was going to be MIBR for beating a stroll. <laughs> <laughs> OC for number one. Okay. Shout out Nico for being second in the world this last year. Shout out to Nico for talking to me a lot at the relog boot camp. Now we really know why Maui wanted okay. him to be number two. Fanboy. Shout out to <laughs> shout out to uh, relog. Shout out to Fun Spark. It's shout pretty disgusting that you could just be blatantly biased like that, Maui. Zai <laughs> <laughs> uh, didn't talk to me at that boot camp, so just saying. All right, I think that's it. Let's I think let's close the show there. Thanks, Dinko, for coming on. Yeah, like- Pleasure.